Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey team, Dave here at the top of the episode to tell you that we are doing four live podcasts as a part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and they are on sale now. Four Saturdays at 2pm, 2 2 2pm that is, at the European Beer Cafe, fantastic venue starting March 28th all the way until April 18th. So four Saturday afternoons, tickets are flying out the door as we speak, you can buy a season pass, you can come to all four shows for the price of three, but those are limited and we've already sold a bunch of them to the patreon supporter so get on that if you are interested also i should tell you that uh, jess and matt have solo shows stand-up shows for they're doing for three and a half weeks at the melbourne international comedy festival and matt is also doing a show in brisbane when's that matt brisbane comedy festival from the 10th to the 15th at the powerhouse hotel no not hotel we call it just the powerhouse. powerhouse. And what month are we talking 10th to the 15th of march march <laughs> fantastic uh, otherwise known as the holy month Absolutely is it? agreed. It yes. is now. Thank you. And you can get a ticket via the links in the description of this episode for all of the shows I've just mentioned. Come to all of the shows. Yeah, if you don't, I will find you. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of a holy month if you're not there? Yeah. <laughs> all right, here we go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting here with Matt Stewart and you guessed it, it's Jess Perkins. <laughs> oh, I was wondering who that was in the Hessian sack. Yeah, oh. it's me. But, but you guessed it, right? I, I, I had a funny feeling. I, mm. I wasn't going to put all my money on the table. What gave What gave you the idea that it was me though? Was there any sort of clues? Yes. What were they? Oh, sort of a zest for life emanating out of the sack. Oh, right. yeah. like a vibe. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't because I'd spray painted the name Jess Perkins on the side of the sack. I thought that was to throw me off, mm. but or that the when you walked in, work. I said, "Hey, Matt, it's me under this sack." 
Yeah. And I said, all right, mystery voice. <laughs> I like your vibe. After all these Even years. Even though I don't know who you are. <laughs> doesn't know my voice or my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never know. Oh, it's great to have you here, sack lady. I'm not sure if Matt can read. I've, I've seen no evidence of him reading. Hmm. Hmm. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> How are we, team? I'm pretty good. Hey, I, I'm good too, Jess, but I, I think that you might be a little bit tired. Are you rushed off your feet at the moment with, uh, we put a new t-shirt on sale <laughs> and we were just talking about how it's lovely that people are buying them and me and Matt love that, but you <laughs> don't like it as much because you're the one who has to send them out. I absolutely love it. I just, I, I get stressed because I'm like, oh God, you know, because I think that I, I have to be like a, like a proper online store that like ships it out the same day and it's just physically not possible but i'm doing my very best and it's great the people are buying uh, buying the t-shirts and there's pins up there now yeah, as first well of a pin wow that's and selling you like also write a, a personalized letter don't you yeah i do is I'm it from think, the heart? thinking about just getting a stamp, to be honest. <laughs> a whole letter on a stamp? <laughs> to whom it may concern. <laughs> it's a really big stamp. Um, yeah, no, I write a little note. It's a lot of fun. Oh, but, yeah, nice. so you can head over to our um, our merch site. On our website you can click on shop, I think. Yeah, that's right. Can, the shirts are yellow and or grey. Yeah. Oh, two of my favourite colours. Me too, actually. Yeah. The yellow one pops. We've got like five T-shirt options up at the moment and the pins – and, you know, more stuff will come eventually. So Holy it's all good. Shit. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. It is happening. Yeah. I always wanted to get into retail. I mean, you're not, though, really, are you? you I'm make... retail adjacent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know someone who works in retail. <laughs> this makes it sound like you do all the work. We all have roles. No, 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 yeah. That's just my only job. My role is to be retail adjacent. <laughs> yeah, and he's nailing it. And you fulfill that role. Matt, you could do a little better. <laughs> all right. <laughs> How about be, now? Be more adjacent. Okay. There we go. At our live show, it's just you are in charge of the merch as well there, and you set up a fantastic shop. It's always in order, all these things, and sometimes I have to attempt to help, and I often feel like I'm the work experience student. <laughs> Not doing a great job, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I've never worked in retail. I'm having fun. You're doing a great job. Role playing, I yeah. call it. It's really not that hard, you know. Most people figure out, they just look at them and they figure out what they want, and then you just take the money. It's quite, it's it's pretty good. There's no upselling with this yeah, one. But there's you know? a lot of people going, what size do you think I am? And yeah. I don't know. Anyway, array of sizes. Appreciate all the work you do there, Bob. Now, what we do here on this show is we sell merchandise because we do a podcast. <laughs> and let me tell you what the podcast usually entails. The three of us take it in turns to report on a topic usually suggested by one of the listeners. And this week it is my turn to do a report and we yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. I know I paused for a bit there, didn't get anything. So uh, all right, um, yeah, we like it best because then Matt and I get to unleash, and it's always best when Matt and I work as a team. When we yeah. work against each other, it's bad. People don't like that. Well, I don't like it. I don't like it. I hate it when we fight. I'm Matt. a team player. <laughs> I hate it when. I we mean, fight. you could still work as a team even when it's not me reporting, <laughs> couldn't you? I mean, we could. Well, we've never figured out how. Yeah, God. Anyway, any- this is your first report in the studio for 2020, I reckon, Dave. Holy cow! Is that true? I believe so. Yes, I believe so. Also confirmed. Love the it. last one we recorded was it, that wasn't live for you was in our hotel in London about oh the volcano. God. We had lost our minds too. We were so tired. Yes, got great great feedback from that episode though. Oh, yeah, a, an incredible story. Uh, Mount St. Helens is what we're talking about, if you haven't heard it. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating story, but yes, you're right. We were delirious at the end of our tour by that stage. Anyway, enough reminiscing. It was a weird, 
No. No, not enough reminiscing, Matt. No, remember that living room we were in when we recorded? And it was a weird living room because it had a desk in the middle of the room that faced the couch. Yes. Like it wasn't facing the wall or anything. It was in the middle of the room facing the rest of the room. But it also had a lamp on the, like a desk lamp on the floor. Yeah. And like so much room to put a TV on a piece of furniture, but it was just sort of hanging off the wall a bit. I think it was an alien uh, trying to look like they had a house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is a humans, I mean us humans decorate our (laughs) apartments. Put a desk in the middle so it's over there. So, you know, um, someone can hold meetings. (laughs) Why would would an alien rent out their apartment? (laughs) Ah, good question. Mm. But, uh, you what aliens to... don't need money, Dave? They don't need income. Well, don't you think it's they're watching us through the double, the one-sided mirror? Well, there was actually a room that we weren't allowed to go in. Yeah, they're observing <sighs> us. Oh, that's terrifying. Yep, my mattress was made in 1911, <laughs> and it was not comfortable. Don't you think it? You think it's terrifying that aliens observed us? I think that's exciting. Oh, okay. what a thrill! The truth is out there. I thought you were an X Files head. Mm. I am. I want to believe. But you're more <laughs> of we a bloody through a wall. <laughs> Gillian Welch more than a bloody David Dukov. Gillian Anderson. Yes. Anywho, oh, on uh, Primates last week, I forgot Darth Vader's name and called him Darth Trooper. <laughs> that was oh, that's adorable. <laughs> One of his early early names. <laughs> I'm like, wait, this is going to sound wrong. Is this wrong? <laughs> Darth Trooper. That's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we talked about The Mandalorian. Real good nerd fest from some absolute Star Wars aficionados. Uh, you got all the whole gang there Darth Trooper, <laughs> uh, C3P Robot, and all, you know, all the rest. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched it, but boy, am I enjoying the Baby Yoda memes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, he's so cute. When you watch the show, it doesn't let you down, Baby Yoda. Fuck yeah. I thought I was the expectations were so high and met him. Anyway. That's how I imagine people see me. Am I that cute? Yes. Thank you. Enough of the reminiscing. <laughs> Here we go. My question to get us onto topic this week is who Ooh, a is the person? Yes, okay. person. Donald Glover. Who is Jess, you want to have an early guess as well? It could be so sweet if you got it. Donald Duck. Ooh. Is it a Donald? Yes. Don Bradman. <gasps> Don Trump. Donald Trump. Imagine if he went by Don or Donnie. <laughs> Don Trump. Donnie. Donatello. Donnie Trump. Sorry, finish the question. Who is arguably the most famous martial artist in history? Bruce Lee. It's Bruce Lee. Hey. Bruce Lee. Say Jet Lee but, oh. I've decided to exclusively do biographies of people with the surname Lee from now on. Christopher Lee last month. Wow. Bruce Lee this month. All right, and then who? Um, Lemo. <laughs> Lee Sales. I call her Sales Lee. I can't think of another Lee. (laughs) Yeah. I mean. Brett Lee. There you go. Brett Lee. Christmas Lee. Christmas Christmas Lee. (laughs) Uh, This topic was voted for by our Patreon supporters. I put up three biographies of three very famous people and they voted for Bruce Lee. Unanimously. Bruce is such a Unanimously. Well, no, 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 <laughs> don't you fucking lie to us. It was a high percentage. I'll catch your lie. But thanks really everyone cool. that voted uh, on Bruce Lee. Uh, do you guys know much about the man? I mean, I know who Bruce Lee is, but I, I Do you can't... know who he isn't? Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what we're here to talk that's about. That's the ultimate question. That'd be the easy one to answer, who he isn't. <laughs> Bruce Lee is not Brett Lee. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know him super well. I know he died young and he... Spoilers. Spoilers. And he was portrayed... He was beaten up by Brad Pitt in uh, in that 
Quentin Tarantino movie. Yes, last Once year. Upon a Time in Hollywood, and not a very favourable portrayal. That one he came across as very, very arrogant. Yeah, and then, and then um, Brad Pitt kicked the shit out of him. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it going down that way. Who played him? Uh, I'm not sure. Hmm. There you go. Um, yeah, I can't say I know a lot about his uh, his actual life. One Inch Punch. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Are you trying to look up who played uh, him? Mike Moe. Ah, uh, yes. Mike Moe, great name. Ah, uh, yes, Mike Moe. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. But he's all, he was also Ryu in the web series Street Fighter Assassin's Fist. Yeah, great. Assassin's Fist. <laughs> uh, he's a Korean guy and he plays Triton in the television series Marvel's Inhumans. Wow. Never heard Death of that. Death by Fist. There you go. Anyway, uh, this topic was suggested by a few people. <laughs> Dustin in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Chris Chan in London. Aaron Wolf in Day- Daytona Beach. Callum J. Burgess Wiley. Oh, what a name. All of these names. In uh, Huddersfield, West Yorkshire. And in the old, old, old hat, it was suggested once before we went digital when people would just basically tell us suggestions, we'd write them down. Gary Adair. Great to have a Gary suggesting. Great topic. to have a Gary. Hopefully Gary's still with us. Yeah, many years later. <laughs> <laughs> I meant listening, but I guess I mean it in both ways. It wasn't decades ago. Over, over the weekend, I went away with some friends, and there's supposed to be four of us going, and then one had to bail because she had some family stuff on. So we get down to check into our motel, and the lady checking us in was like, um, and are there, there were four of you? And there's only three of us standing in front of her, and I just said, yes, she's no longer with us. <laughs> That's what came out. And then my friends were just like desperately scrambling like, she just she just couldn't cut. She's had stuff on this weekend. And it definitely looked like we'd killed her. Oh, no. <laughs> she's, she's in no, the boot. She's no longer with us. Thank you so much for bringing it up. We are mourning her. And then you get a bottle of champagne yeah. in the room. Oh, Wait, that's a bit more of a yeah, celebratory. Yeah. Would you like what's the honeymoon a, sweet? Or? What's, a, what's a sad drink? Oh, a uh, Riesling. <laughs> of course. Oh, I was... T. T. Maria. Yeah. Oh, Bloody Mary. Stop bringing down the mood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, Bruce Lee. Quite an uh, amazing life. I'm hopefully going to recount uh, with justice here. Bruce Lee was born on November 27th, 1940, at the Jackson Street Hospital in San Francisco's Chinatown. According to the Chinese zodiac, he was born in the year of the dragon, in the hour of the dragon. Oh. Some would say that this was a sign of his future greatness, so quite a specific time to be born. The dragon is the mightiest of the signs, and dragons reportedly show such character traits as dominance, ambition, authority, dignity, and capacity. Dragons prefer to live by their own rules, and if left on their own, are usually successful. What does capacity mean? It sounds like a a stadium, you know? (laughs) What? Well, that's, I mean, one of the things you talk about in a stadium is its capacity. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. definitely true. Or a jug. And also, <laughs> it's ambition. Oh, that's so an ambitious stadium. If, if left alone, they can but do us- well. Usually successful, yeah. And he was a bit of a lone wolf at times, Bruce Lee. I, was, uh, I think I was born in the year of the horse. Yes, I was about to say, Jess and I, year of the uh, horse. Matt, you are a pig. I thought, I, I knew I was one of the ones that didn't sound good. <laughs> pig or rat. Rat pig. Yeah, horses are mighty. <laughs> so yeah, the, dra- yeah, the, the dragon is the mightiest of the signs. The pig, the least mighty of the signs. That feels right. That makes I, sense. I like pigs though. Big pig head. Yeah, you you don't have capacity though. Oh, what have I got? What do pigs have? Um, <laughs> curly little tails. Yeah. Uh, little snouts. They're very smart. 
they produce lots of different kinds of meat. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, what is this? Some sort of a magical <laughs> animal? What? A, yeah, you don't you don't know off the top of your head what a pig can do. No, I'm afraid I do not. Smarter than a dog. Mm. Pigs. Supposedly. I suppose it depends what kind of dog, doesn't it? Can't. I mean, could you teach a pig to roll over? Probably, actually. Yeah. What about could you teach a dog to herd shit? Probably, actually. To teach a pig, like babe. Yeah. Oh, I can't teach a dog to sing. Damn it. <laughs> Pigs have got it all. Uh, Bruce was the fourth child in his family and was given the name Jun Fan at birth. But a nurse at the Jackson Street Hospital gave the little baby the name Bruce. A what name that what the, do you mean the, a nurse gave him a name? I couldn't find any more. A lot, so many websites and different things just said, this lady gave him this name. And I was thinking, is it a nickname? Or is she just telling the, the parents, I can't remember Jun Fan. This kid's called Bruce. I'm going to just call him Bruce. I'm writing down Bruce. You're saying Jun Fan. I'm writing down Bruce. Bruce? <laughs> she sounds racist. I mean, just call it, I mean Jun? That sounds nothing like Bruce. At I've least. never heard that name. But Bruce, I've heard of. Uh, was this an outback hospital? <laughs> but it was in Chinatown too. Mm. And they're a family from Hong Kong. You'd think that there would be at least some understanding of the name Jun Fan, but the Bruce. lady, for whatever, called him Bruce, a name that the baby would begin to use when it grew up in secondary school when studying English. So okay. that's when Bruce started becoming called Bruce. I'll refer to him as Bruce throughout, but it was only in his teen years that his family and their, well, acquaintances would call him Bruce. Uh, Bruce's mother was Grace Ho, and his father was Lee Hoi Chun, a successful Cantonese opera singer and actor. Oh, wow. So baby Bruce had been born in San Francisco whilst his father was on tour with the opera there. And when Bruce was just three months old, the family moved back to Hong Kong, where Bruce would stay for the first 18 years of his life. Oh, because I was thinking, when you said he was born in San Francisco, I was like, what? I had no idea. Yeah, so dad's on tour, family goes along, pregnant mum gives birth. He gets called Bruce by a lady who doesn't want to say Jun Fan. <laughs> then after three months, they leave. But they remember that name. Yeah. Remember Bruce. That's that's a weird naming origin. If you're heavily pregnant, maybe don't go on the tour. Just stay at home, I reckon. Or but they may have been there for many months. I'm not sure. So maybe even like not have been pregnant when they... Yeah, or maybe uh, not known about it. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Are you mum-splaining right now, Jeff? Maybe she could have done it whatever she wanted to. True, yeah. Maybe she was a powerful woman who believed in herself. That is actually she was strong. She was independent. That is absolutely true. I just sort of think if I'm ever pregnant, I'm it's I'm just not I'm can't, I'm not going to do anything. Honestly, I'm starting to get sick of being the only real feminist on this show. Yeah, I'm sick of it too. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The episodes are best when you two get along. <laughs> Uh, So he lived in Hong Kong. Uh, During the war, Hong Kong was occupied by the Japanese and things weren't easy for the city, but Bruce's dad kept his acting work, always uh, employed. Bruce's father also got his son, Bruce, many child acting jobs, starting at just three months old when in 1941, Bruce served as the stand-in for an American baby in the film Golden Gate Girl. Okay. He didn't have any lines. Interesting. Three <laughs> months, no lines. He refused to remember them. Not professional, this kid. Yeah, lame. A real Bruce, if you know what I mean. So, but at three months, they're probably playing a newborn, you know? You know when they hand a newborn baby to parents? And they've got a and, beard. Yeah, it's like, it's like, that's a fucking toddler. Like, who are you fooling? But then again, don't probably don't take a newborn off parents. Take a three-month-old. Right. Yeah. With a beard. <laughs> With a beard, preferably. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what sort of disaster that baby left behind in the... Yeah. Delivery. <laughs> 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 
Some sort of punch. Oh, imagine Bruce punched his way out. <laughs> <laughs> One inch punch. <laughs> That's where he learned it. He didn't have a lot of room in there. <laughs> Uh, Bruce's father saw his son as a natural in front of the camera, and throughout his childhood, Bruce appeared in 20 films. Wow. So he's a child actor. I did not know that. No idea. A boisterous young lad, Bruce often got into fights as an adolescent. He fought against local gangs that dominated the city of Hong Kong, and also against British students who taunted him over his Chinese background. Oh. In Hong Kong. <laughs> in Hong Kong. Because remember, it was uh, occupied by the British. Yeah, but I think there was Still. a few Chinese people knocking yeah. about as well, weren't there? <laughs> yeah. So even then, white people are going, and when, these guys. When is, this is in the 50s. Yeah, when he's growing up. In yeah. Hong Kong. And he's getting teased for being Chinese. That is wild. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing how quickly things change. And it was a... Uh, I don't think, like, for instance, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but... I don't think that would have happened uh, today if Bruce Lee uh, was holding his fist one inch from my face. <laughs> I don't think I'd be giving him any grief at all. No, me either. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't in in fisting position. Mm. You got to be in fisting First position. position. Fisting Always position. be ready. Always be ready to, to fist. fist. <laughs> he was a real philosopher. I was well discovering that was one of his key phrases. Mm. Uh, this is a quote from Bruce Lee talking to Black Belt magazine years later about his childhood. Sounds a little bit violent. Quote, as a kid in Hong Kong, I was a punk and went looking for fights. We used chains and pens with knives hidden inside. Then one day I began to wonder what would happen if I didn't have my gang behind me when I got into a fight. Hmm. And then where do you go from there? That's a good amount of self-awareness of going, I'm only tough because there are some much tougher people standing behind me. So he got a bigger knife, I reckon. That's not a knife. That's not a pen knife. (laughs) He got a bigger pen. He's his walking pen. over the novelty pen. His pen's a foot long. <laughs> no, officer, it's just a pen. I might Starts need going it. around with a quill. <laughs> uh, his parents began to worry for him uh, as he was constantly fighting, especially after he fought and won a fight against the son of a local triad gang member. Ooh. And his parents decided that Lee should learn some Chinese martial arts for self-defense. That was after he won a fight. Yeah. They mm. thought, you need some training here. <laughs> Win better. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to look cooler when you're winning, all right? Yeah. At the age of 13, Bruce was introduced to a master teacher of the Wing Chun style of Gung Fu, also known as Kung Fu in the West. This teacher would have a profound impact on the young Lee and has one of the best names I've ever come across oh in the report. God. So prepare yourself. His yep. name, yes. Master Yip Man. Yip Man. Yip Man. And apparently he is a very influential, very famous man in the Wing Chun style of Kung Fu. Yip Man. (laughs) Yip. Master Yip Man. I love it. Lee was instructed in the ways of discipline and self-control. Yip Man. Love it. Uh, Yip Man would describe part of Wing Chun as being able to maintain one's flexibility and softness all whilst keeping the strength to fight back, much like the flexible nature of bamboo. Oh. Be the bamboo. <laughs> Got a lot to learn from, you know, people don't look at trees and think, how do I be more like that? I don't think they, I don't think we get enough lessons out of our trees. Yep. Look at that gum over there. Look at it standing there up tall. Yeah. I'm going to be more like that. I'm going to grow real tall. I'm going to grow 20 metres into the sky. <laughs> I'm going to be the biggest boy that's ever been. And I'm, that's that's. I, I'm gonna let squirrels live inside me. <gasps> I'm gonna have a little hollowed out area, and an owl can be in there. Hoot hoot. <laughs> and that's gonna be in my belly button. 
Yeah, I don't think we should do more of that. We should do more. I didn't realize you had a copy of Yip Man's uh, book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm a big Yip Man fan. Have you ever seen Matt's belly button? There's a little owl in there. I've never seen your belly button. Yeah, there's a little owl in there. Little barn owl. Really, yeah, little guy. You are 20 meters tall. (laughs) 20 meters tall. (laughs) I never thought about. Ever try to see me trying to get in under a doorway? I have to crouch. Mm. You wonder why that is? No. I bonk my head otherwise. Dave. Oh, Dave. Makes a beautiful sound. Head. It's good to be self, self aware like Bruce Lee. Timber on timber sounds beautiful, but you know, that's hurts. not the point. It hurts. I've got roots. Yeah. That's how I'm like. And a I tree. know how to use them. <laughs> can't you try pushing me over, you can't. You can't. Because I'm so rooted into yeah, the ground. Mate, beautiful balance. <laughs> mate, go on, try. Try and push me. Didn't even move. No. Nah. <laughs> oh, she's rooted. <laughs> This one's rooted. This one's rooted, <laughs> mate. You are rooted. I shed my leaves in autumn. I just drop them all on the ground, drop them for you to play in. I go all naked and free for a bit. Tastefully, tasteful moon. <laughs> I look like I'm dead for three months of the year. And then I come back to life and I do it all again. It's beautiful. We should be more like trees. I love the seasons. <laughs> How much do you hate us, Dave? No, I'm evergreen. I'm pretty cool with this. Yeah. Uh, we're more deciduous. Yeah, I'm a deciduous tree. Is that right? Am I using that right? Yeah. Dave, do go on. Just be like the bamboo. All right. Uh, be like the bamboo and move the fuck on. Um, <laughs> Lee was a great student and trained very hard under Master Yip Man. But after a year, his classmates found out that Bruce Lee had mixed race heritage, his mother being a Eurasian woman, and many of them refused to continue to fight and train with him. Sadly, Bruce Lee would experience a lot of racism throughout his life from both Asian and white societies. Oh, I didn't know that uh, about him. I don't really see race. Um, But, yeah, that's uh, you do see that a little bit in, like... um, in film and television and stuff and people not feeling accepted from either side. So they're kind of like, they feel quite displaced. So like, where do I, where do I belong then? I it's imagine like, oh. that was similar for my Nana, who was both Swiss and Italian. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Straddling each side of the border mm-hmm. without any real home of her own. Yeah. And me, it's they're hard. famously brutal, those Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> my mum grew up in the country. And my dad in the city. Where do I belong? Mm. Somewhere in between. By Probably the, on by the, the motorway. The, the outer suburbs. <laughs> the, the outer urban edge. Sixteenth yeah. of an acre. <laughs> Your neighbour right there. Yeah. In the same house as you. Yeah. That's where you belong. Oh, in an apartment is what you mean. <laughs> oh. Okay. So he's not fitting in with the Asian or white societies in a lot of ways. However, Lee continued to pray privately with Yip Man, who was happy to help him. Did train, you just say pray privately? privately. You Happy to let that go. Happy to let it go. Let's not make a big deal out of yeah, it. Yeah, let's not make a big deal. Let's not sing about it. I think it. that was fun. I think it's fun, and it's a shame that this has been edited out by Dave. <laughs> <laughs> let me have another go at that. Uh, however, Lee continued to pray and try. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would do that. I knew it. I knew it. Fun. You got I it. I knew it, and I still loved it. I was like, come on, Dave. Man, I, it's so funny. My brain is like, no, I'm, I said it perfectly. <laughs> um, both times. Imagine if you were both just lying to me. It'd be very funny. Uh, so he's praying privately with, um, <laughs> with Yip, Yip, Yip Man. And apparently not many people actually got to praying privately <laughs> one-on-one with, with Yip, Man. Yip Man. Right. Not many people got... Private praining. No, my God, you were lucky if you were trained pri- in the privates by um, Yip Man. And, and you Yip also- Mano e Yip Mano. 
<laughs> and also they uh, manoed with another future Kung Fu legend, uh, Wong Shun Lung, oh, who I'm yes. not familiar with the name, but apparently in the circles, you know Wong Shun Lung. Right. So he's, he's learning a lot from uh, the Master Yip Man. As well as being trained to be a killing machine, <laughs> Bruce was also a great dancer. Which helped his footwork with his fighting, and he also won the 1958 Cha Cha Championship. (laughs) Cha Cha Championship. Wow, that that is is fun to say. 1958 Cha Cha Champion. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you have a stutter. Cha Cha Champion. Yes, I am the Cha Cha Champion. Okay, of what? (laughs) I'm the Cha Cha Champion. But what are you the champion of? The Cha Cha Champion. Look, I I would never, I would never point out a stutter. But what are you the champion of? (laughs) The Cha Cha. Yes. Champion. <laughs> he really dedicated himself to dancing, which is demonstrated by the fact that he kept a notebook in which he had noted one hundred and different, uh, one hundred and eight different cha cha steps. Oh yeah, who would have known there was well, that there's many? There's the cha, uh, of course. Then there's the cha. There's the cha cha cha. And then you can, you know, any sort of combination. Those you got the cha cha cha. You got the cha cha. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cha 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 cha. Cha 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 cha. How are you noting down dance moves? You know, how do you write that down? Uh, well, cha. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah, sorry. Yes. Cha cha. Now I get it. First position. Uh, yep. Ready to fist. <laughs> yep. But basically, what I'm trying to say is, when it came to Bruce, if he got into something, he was all in. He was a dedicated man, even when it was cha charing. I respect that because I'm a bit like half in. You know, I got a lot of ideas and You're not a lot of follow through. Yeah, yeah. You've only got 58 cha cha moves. Yeah, that's pretty lame. Bruce also won an inter-school boxing championship against an English student in which the Marquis of Queensbury rules were followed and Bruce didn't use any of his kicks. So even when he was limited to punches, he still won the fight. Wow. So he's a good dancer. He's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. He's a great lover. Oh. That's what we'll discover. I thought he was a teenager. <laughs> well. Jesus. Teenagers can love too. No, they can't. With Teenagers all their heart. are not capable of love. What? No, they're not. When do you learn love? When do you learn love? Your 21st birthday, please. Oh. I cannot believe I have to explain this to you. Well, yeah. Matt's still wondering. <laughs> I'm just when when do I for my time. Yeah. <laughs> when will I learn love? Mate, if you haven't already, it's too late for you. I have the heart of a tree. Cut me open. Lots of rings. Very old. <laughs> and I steal rings. <laughs> and I store I'm them in my tummy. In my... <laughs> and the owl guards <laughs> You've been swallowing rings again? And the little owl looks, he protects them. He and if somebody's trying to get the rings, he goes, hoo, hoo, and I know they're there. He's a lookout owl. Lookout owl. He's a look owl. <laughs> I'm so tired. Is he wearing the rings or is he, does he no, put them in his stomach as well? He stands in front of the rings and he looks at them. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he can because his head swivels. He can yeah. stand in front of them and still see them behind him. Yeah, it's pretty sick. One of the cool things about being an owl. <laughs> One of many. 270 degrees. As well as having ears on different sort of sides of their heads or something. Apparently they're actually a bit dumb, Owls. No. (laughs) Well, I got the wrong guy looking after my rings. No, I mean, he can still swivel his head around, so he's still a good lookout. But, like, you know, if you want philosophical advice, don't go to an owl. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, security guards aren't always necessarily the most philosophically intelligent people. Mm. Not necessarily. Mm. But they could be. They could be. I'm not saying they can't. (laughs) A lot of our best listeners are security guards, and um, uh, shout out to them. Mm. Yeah. Was it, wasn't Descartes a security guard? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, at the night time he was, uh, obviously in the day he was cart. <laughs> Something like that. Is that what he said? Mm. A guard, therefore Can I Can you edit, edit that bit out? To make <laughs> me seem smarter. 
Uh, well, or less dumb. Mm. Or less shit. Mm. Sadly for Bruce's parents, their son's street fighting continued and got more and more violent as he got older. One day when Bruce was removing his jacket, a man punched him in the face and gave him a swollen black heart. <laughs> that is absolutely not funny, but it, it's a little bit funny. To imagine, as you're removing your jacket. Bang. Uh, Bruce was incensed and chased the man down, breaking his arm, breaking a tooth, and then knocking him out in the process. Okay. So he got revenge. Yeah. I don't think you're ever more vulnerable than when you're taking off a jacket. Oh. Yeah. Was he driving at the time? Because yeah. that is tough. Oh, my God. That is so... And like you try to do it at the red light, and you're like, come on, come on, <laughs> come, come on, come on. Come on. That is hard. And you've got the seatbelt off and you're like, God, if I die now, how awful would that be? And then all of a sudden your passenger punches you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) You know what stresses me out? You know how every now and then you'll be stopped at a red light and the driver of the car in front of you will get out and like, I don't know, maybe the boot's slightly open or something. But when they get out of the car, it starts to stress me out. I'm like, hurry! Oh, I think you're worried they're coming to kill you. Oh, no. I don't generally worry. Nearly always, I'd say, people would, they feel like they've got a lot of time. Like yeah. Everything slows down. I know, they're not in a hurry. It they know what's me going out. on. And even if they're just like, oh, I just need to open and then reclose the boot and get back in the car. I've definitely got time, but I'm still, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Could when take they ages. Go into the milk bar. <laughs> yeah. Get some milk. And you're like, a oh, pack you, of smokes. You are taking the piss. You see now. them take their keys out, throw it down a drain, <laughs> walk away. This is stressing yeah. me out. You're <laughs> running out of time. You've only got 15 <laughs> seconds to retrieve your keys and move your car. <laughs> Because I don't know how to go around you. I don't know how. I never learned to turn. (laughs) (laughs) Go around. So he copped it in the face and then he broke a guy's arm and knocked him out. Sure. Uh, The police became involved and approached Lee's parents and warned them that if he got into another fight, he'd probably be imprisoned. Oh, no. That's bad. Oh, that's bad. So his parents made the tough choice in 1959 to send their 18-year-old to stay with friends in the USA in the hopes of keeping him out of trouble. Um... I just wanted to say sorry to anybody listening from prison. Um, I know I said that's bad and, look, it is, but I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make you necessarily a bad person. Do you listen to podcasts in prison? I don't know. Do you get the internet? I, Dave, I don't know, but I don't want to piss anyone off. Uh, give us a tweet if you're in prison and you have the internet. Honestly, in these bloody Australian prisons, or they'd probably, well, they'd probably give them everything. You know, they'd probably lie on a hammock right now from uh, what I've heard. You're probably, you're probably better off being in prison than out of prison the way they look after them these days. Yeah, I don't have a PlayStation 4 at my house, but they've got one. <laughs> sure, it's like a share it between 400 of them. Yeah. Still better than me. I, well, I've got nothing. <laughs> one in 400 chance? I've got none. None in 400 chance. <laughs> Give me a 400 chance. I'd like a timeshare in a PS4 <laughs> seeking, 300, seeking 399 other people uh, just over a year until I get my turn. <laughs> Can't wait to play Gran Turismo. <laughs> People who complain about how good they have it in prison, they're never putting their hands up going, I want to go to prison. Do a big crime. You can be in there. Yeah, if you think it's so good, off you pop. Yeah, often Money big... where your mouth is. Murder someone then. Yeah. yeah. Or at least do some fraud. Or, yeah, yeah, come at it. Don't murder anyone. Oh, if yeah, anyone's thinking about it, do some fraud. Do fraud. Some fraud. Yeah, fraud. A lot of those people often have committed white collar crime. In the in like the prisons that have stuff. No, no, the people that are like calling people out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's one of the weirdest generalizations I've ever heard. <laughs> Those people who make that complaint often done what? Call it <laughs> I can see Dave doing some kind of fraud. Oh, absolutely, and I also believe that prisons is a great are a great place. Yeah. So uh, I've just proved my own point there. I've done a lot of white collar crime. Just yesterday, Aiden was saying he wouldn't mind going to prison because he reckons it would give him a lot of time to work on his book. Oh, and <laughs> abs. 
And he was, and I was like, I don't think the food's that good in there. He goes, No, the food's all right. I'm not fussy. I was like, Why? Well, I do most of the cooking at home, so I can't help but be a little insulted. That is offensive to you. <laughs> I was like, Sorry for trying to get you to eat vegetables, you bit big of, toddler. Bit of time to work on his book. So just work on your fucking book then. You don't have to do a crime. Just work on your book. Anyway, maybe I need to confiscate someone's PlayStation. <laughs> I have a teenager is what I'm... Well, if he goes to prison, you know what they're like. They'll bloody just give him a PlayStation. Yeah, never, he'll never work on that bloody book, let me tell you that. <laughs> 25 years later, he hasn't written a page. Yeah, but he's like really good at, I don't know, fucking FIFA. No, really good. Yeah, professionally really good. Like one of the best. Mm. I mean, if you're in prison and you've got a PS4 and you're not the best at FIFA, what are you doing? Probably working on your book. Yeah, put that down. The real money is in virtual games. Yeah, yeah. Whatever they're called. I'd but. actually love that because I'd love to challenge that many people at Mario Kart because I'm very good at Mario really? Kart. Really? Is that true? Yeah. Are I'm... you? Can you do that thing where you go around a corner and you get like extra drift? Yes. I can't do that. I can never do that. I think I know what you mean. <laughs> like it goes orange behind your car and you get like in a little uh, boost just from going around a corner. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do you go toad? No. Oh, great. So you're not a cheat then. That's a <laughs> hack. Hack move. Oh. And I hate Peach. Who do you like? Who's you go? Mario. Oh, I love it. No one really gives Mario the love I that love he deserves. I love Mario. He's so, so cute. Yeah. He anyway. is cute. He's he? so cute. I like Yoshi. Yeah, Yoshi's all right. I like Bowser. While Luigi goes, Waluigi, and that's fun. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Matt, Matt, do you know what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, this is like your version of um, Pong, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Who's your favourite Pong character? Oh, Bat one. <laughs> <laughs> you would go bat one. That's left, basically that's the bat. toad, the yeah. toad of the pong world. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you always get the ball first. Was well, that or computer? And um, <laughs> you, they never let me play that one. <laughs> Bloody pong one. <laughs> so he's been told he's going to go to prison, that's and right. his parents are like, "Well, wouldn't he bloody like that?" So they've decided to send him to America. And, uh, he and he's, travel- he's about eighteen. He's eighteen. He travelled back to his birth city, San Francisco, via a steamship with a hundred dollars in his pocket. A steamship. Pocket full of dreams, the other pocket. Speaking of San Francisco, sorry about excuse, Yeah, sorry about Sorry this. about all these um, detours, but this Monday, Australian time, San Francisco, my boys, playing off in the Super Bowl. Oh. Against Kansas City. Yes. Potentially for their first win since 1995, but Kansas City hasn't been there for 50 years. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm hoping they win too. Really looking forward to the match. That'll be cool. I'm going to a, I'm going to a, a Pub to watch it at like nine thirty AM. <laughs> I've uh, blocked out the day. It's going to be a real fun time. Sounds great. You're going to have some uh, wings. Oh yeah, there'll be. I'm sure there'll be hot wings mm-hmm. and ordinary beers. <laughs> That's yeah. the American way. No, America's got great craft beer. Yeah, but you don't. Et no, cetera. I thought you meant like it won't be hot beer. Oh no, it won't be hot beer. Yeah, ordinary, regular beer. Regular. Okay, cold. one regular beer, please. Mm, no Breakfast hot beer. No hot beer. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> Ordinary beer. I was trying to. I was trying to zing him. But I was. Yeah. But I. But I, I missed it, up. it. I fucked it up. Dave did. Go uh, so on. he went to San Fran, but he travelled to Seattle, where a family friend named Ruby Chow had a restaurant and had promised Bruce a job and a place to stay. Nice. By this time, Bruce had left his dreams of being an actor or a dancer back in Hong Kong and wanted to further his education. Okay. He was a child actor for a long time. Gets into this fighting stuff. Goes to America, and now he's like, I'm gonna. Try and knuckle down a bit and study. He finished the equivalent of a high school diploma and then enrolled at the University of Washington where he majored in philosophy. Wow. Philosophy and a way of living is a huge part of Kung Fu. So this study 
Um, this study for Lee intensified his interest in the philosophical side of the martial arts. A lot of his university writings were tied back to Kung Fu. He's done, he, you didn't even mention he's a cha-cha champion. This guy's done so much stuff so young. Oh, yeah, cha-cha champ. It's the second week in a row that our protagonist has studied psych, uh, philosophy? Philosophy, philosophically at uh, university. Jay from Friends of Rome did as well. Oh, uh-huh. yes, that's right. Well, some have since stated that Bruce Lee's academic record shows that he majored in drama, like the best of us do. All right, man. Oh, he, hang on. Uh, either way, he did some performing. He did some philosophizing. He all helped make him the man that he was to become. Did he? And because uh, you mentioned earlier when he was learning English, does he? Did he come to go to America and learn English, or um, he already spoke English? He already had some English. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hong Kong's like you were saying it was an English. Yeah, yeah. So he was. Yeah, yeah, of course. And he yeah. was uh, in his lifetime a very fluent English speaker. Yeah. Okay. 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 Just double checking. Uh, as well as speaking Cantonese. Right. That was his uh, native language. Uh, he kept himself afloat and paid his bills while studying by teaching Kung Fu. Oh, cool. He had a small but dedicated circle of friends and students who at first he taught for free, but they encouraged him to open up his own martial arts school. He named what he taught Jun Fan Kung Fu, literally Bruce Lee's Kung Fu, but uh, Jun Fan being his mm-hmm. birth name. It was at the school that a student caught his eye. A lady... Named Linda Emery. He asked her to go to the Space Needle in Seattle for dinner one night, and from there the two started dating. Love it. The Space Needle. She tells the story. I've seen an interview. She's like, one day that they were doing their martial arts training, I think that maybe they'd both fallen on the ground, and he said, oh, would you like to go to the Space Needle? And she said, oh, what, the whole group? And he said, no, (laughs) just you and me. I love that. So nice. She's uh, like, well, everyone here? He's like, no. no shut up. Stop what? telling everyone. <laughs> Why are you whispering in my ear if you want everyone to go? Hey, I guys. Don't. I don't. Space Needle, Bruce is buying. <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck. Imagine having Bruce Lee as your teacher. Like, and these people at the time, just university friends. So, like, for the rest of your life, once he gets Amazing. big, you're like, yeah, I studied uh, Kung Fu under Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, but at the time... Linda's parents were not pleased with her choice of an Asian partner and doubted that this philosophy student could provide for their daughter. <laughs> it's so funny now that we know him as one of the most famous people of the 20th century. Yeah, it's so but Bruce good. Bruce found out about this doubt from Linda's mother and gay and punched it- her in the face. <laughs> 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 so he dealt with it the only yeah. way he knew how. Hmm? Hmm? Any questions, Mrs. Emery? <laughs> Don't think I can provide. <laughs> hmm? Provide a punch. Uh, and it made him uh, even more determined to work hard to basically prove this lady wrong. Aww. Bruce and Linda married the following year in 1964 and Bruce and Linda moved to Oakland, California to open a second martial arts school together. Bruce was happy to teach anyone that wanted to be taught and was one of the first to teach the secrets of martial arts to people from non-Asian backgrounds. But not everyone was happy with this. Some Chinese martial arts legends thought that Bruce shouldn't be teaching non-Asian people and they started trouble for Bruce Lee. A group of senior martial artists in the area issued Lee an ultimatum to stop teaching Caucasian people or face the consequences. Namely, he'd have to fight their top guy. Oh, oh yeah, Beat the boss. He's Which is kind of a, a movie script. Which is kind of, kind of cool, isn't it? It's like, what are you going to have to, what will, what will I have to do? You'll have to fight our guy. He's like, cool, I've been training my whole life for this. Bruce, never shying away from a challenge or a fight for that matter, chose to take on their top guy. Hmm. 
The rules were that if Bruce lost, he would agree to stop teaching non-Chinese students. They're basically planned for pinks. They are pa- playing for pinks here. The story is contested, with only a few witnesses being there and not many people wanting to talk about it publicly. The most commonly told story is that the fight only lasted three minutes, <laughs> and in that time, Lee pinned their top man to the floor and forced him to yell, I give up, I give up. <laughs> I have heard it or seen it written um, about that apparently Bruce was seen to be taking a lot more seriously than the other guy with a couple of groin shots oh going straight for the guy's face. And the guy's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Wait, so why wasn't that guy taking it seriously? <laughs> yeah, that is weird. They were the ones who challenged, made the don't, challenge. Yeah, don't put that <laughs> guy on it. it looked like that Bruce was ready to kill that man and Bru- yeah, the right. other guy was like, man, I'm just happy to show off my sweet moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just spar a little whoa, bit. Whoa, That'll be whoa, okay. Well, not, well, not my dick, Jesus. <laughs> not my dick, <laughs> my precious <laughs> dick. Oh, fuck, I've only got one of them. I imagine. Two legs, kick them. I imagine that's how you are about your dicks. Yeah. Very precious. Shit, not my precious dick. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not, the, not the goods. The my good. precious dick. Oh. I don't know why I find that so funny. But I really do. Hey, it's precious. It's a finite resource. Mm. Only one. Only one. Per man. You lose, you, you lose it. You don't get a replacement. We're not bloody geckos or whatever who can regrow their no, dicks. About 50 dicks. 50 dicks in a lifetime. Yeah. The first 47, you're laughing. You get to 47, you think, all right, I've got to all start right. taking this seriously. <laughs> I cannot, ri- cannot risk the last three dicks. Like in Jumanji with their last life. <laughs> oh, it's like Jumanji but with dicks. Yeah. You get it? <laughs> Am I connecting with the youth? Now I get it. Just got to ration out these last three dicks. <laughs> I might live for another 40 years. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's an average of oh, 12.6 dicks a year or 12.6 years per dick. Fuck. Get the ratio right. That's stressful. Why'd you lose so many dicks so quickly? Oh, I was young and foolish. What are you doing to them? Helicopters. <laughs> helicopters. I was doing helicopters in the helicopters. <laughs> Saw a fan, thought, no, I don't have to put pants on. I should have put pants on. Let's see how cool I can get my dick. <laughs> oh, no. Like when you're speaking to a fan, it makes a funny noise. Oh, <laughs> did that with my dick. <laughs> my precious dick. That was too good, Matt. (laughs) Man of a thousand noises. Dick being eaten by a fan. What number is that one again? I think that's 287. Wow. One of my favourites. Specific but accurate. Yeah. So he won the fight. Amazing. He punched the guy's dick. But Lee was annoyed that he wasn't able to take out the guy in seconds. Remember, it took him three minutes. And he decided to train even harder from that day on. Oh, my God. He also found that his style of martial arts wasn't as practical in a real fight as he'd hoped. He found that punching his opponent's head hurt his hands and they got swollen the more he punched him. You know, you know <laughs> they how don't it is. say. So he decided to take what, he, what did work and refine it and make his own martial art based around his own philosophy. Eventually, it would be called Jeet Kune Do, which translates from Cantonese as the way of the intercepting fist. <laughs> Catchy. Uh, it sounds freaking cool. <laughs> the yeah. way of the intercepting fist. Jeet Kune Do. It was named after the Wing Chun concept of interception or attacking when one's opponent is about to attack. The intercepting fist. Sure. Jeet Kune Do's practitioners believe in minimal effort with maximum effect and extreme speed. So 
often you'll use their move against them. Yes. They're yes, moving yes. one way and you make it so their hand, oh, you got ya, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, got ya. <laughs> and you have to yell that out. It's part of it. It's an important part yeah. of it. Otherwise they don't know. Oh, oh I got ya. Oh, got ya. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, oh over here. Oh, I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> Always standing in the same spot. Yeah. Haven't moved. Oh, still over here. They're like, how quick is he moving? I'm not even seeing it. Oh, he must have done a full lap around the earth. <laughs> Uh, Bruce developed it over many years and combined different elements of fighting and training, including boxing, kung fu, wing chun, and many more. Lee's system was based around, quote, practicality, flexibility, speed, and efficiency. To be honest, I found it a little hard to grasp on a base level. Mm. It seems like something you don't get for a long time and then hopefully one day it snaps into place and suddenly you get it. Yeah. That's what I hope. Like your beard. One day it'll work. It'll snap into place. And I'll get it. (laughs) The beard. Yeah. Oh, I've got one. Oh, bang. Yeah, I love your beard, Dave. Took 28 years. Still snapping into place. Uh, Lee described it as, this is what I mean by, see if this makes sense to you, quote, the style of no style. Yeah. Mm. The main idea behind sense. the form was using no way as way, having no limitation as limitation. I get it. It sounds great. Don't you think it sounds... Sounds great. Sounds great. I'm not exactly sure. I am. I'm you exactly got, sure. I so. you are But don't worry, Dave. One day it'll snap into place. One day I'll get right. having that no... That speaks to me. That snapped right into place. Having no yeah. limitation is... Yeah. Limitation. feel yeah. like a couple of pieces of Lego just... Yeah. Perfectly I actually feel... Connected. I feel one. complete. Well, to the for the people that aren't getting it, I'll I'll give the, blessed, uh, the best explanation I found, which is on brucelefoundation.com. Mm-hmm. They write... The idea of interception is key to Jet Kindu, Jet KD, whether it be the interception of your opponent's technique or his intent. The basic guiding principles are simplicity, directness, and freedom. Again, the form of having no form. Love that. Now we get it. It sounds like you're describing how I dance. To form having no form? Mm. Mm. Free. Intercepting your partner? Yeah. yeah. Punching someone in the face? Yes. Not yeah. on purpose, but that <laughs> does happen. This is why we will not dance with Matt anymore. David Taylor uh, once kicked someone in the head <laughs> on a dance floor <laughs> accidentally. How did you? I don't think you have told us that. What happened? So hang on, hang on. Your foot is at the bottom of your body, yeah. and a head is at the top of a body. Yeah. Were they on the floor how, and you were stomping? Yeah. How did you? Were, you, no, were, you, were you lying dancing on someone's head? I sort of. I had a. I came up with a, a new sort of style of <laughs> of dance. I called it boot dancing. The way of the intercepting boot. Which I think, it, you know, it was, I took a few different sort of classic styles and I, I put my own spin on them. Basically, I'd just be, you know, thumbs in the belt buckle and then just kicking out as high as you could. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, one of those one of those boots at the Torquay Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Made contact. When who'd, I was 18. Who'd a kick? Uh, a unfortunately positioned woman who I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. So you uh, kicked a woman in the head? And what happened from there? Uh, well, were you asked to leave the uh, hotel? Later, I was, but not uh, right then. Not right then. Not for kicking a woman in the head. Well, it was an accident. I what did everyone... you do later to get kicked out? That oh. was worse than kicking someone in the head. I don't. I'll, I'll go and I'll, I don't need to go into that. But um, it was bad. Did you kick another woman in the head? Well, no. I just I. It was just it was a bit spewy. <laughs> okay. it's, just, it's a spewy explanation. Yeah, and um, not everyone likes to hear that. No. But they can skip ahead. So what re-enact- happened? Was this reenacted at your 21st? Yes. All right. What I told that part of the story <laughs> before somewhere. Anyway, uh, good times. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate... Your last biscuit. That I was saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stress. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. Uh, so Bruce would develop all of this uh, Jeet Kune Do over the next few years. Mm-hmm. And in 1964, he was still running his martial arts schools, but he was struggling financially. He'd always dreamt big and wasn't where he wanted to be. Like with many things, he just needed to be seen by the right people. Mm. And in Lee's case, he needed to be seen by the right hairdresser. Okay. Mm. In August of 1964, Ed Parker, who was referred to as the father of American Kenpo, another type of martial arts, invited Bruce to Long Beach, California, to give a demonstration at his first international karate tournament. In the demonstration, Bruce wowed the crowd by performing push-ups one-handed with only his thumb and index finger. No, thank you. It's pretty impressive. badass. But his most impressive feat was the one-inch punch. Bruce Lee learned the technique from his Wing Chun training in Hong Kong. Lee then demonstrated the technique, where at a distance of only one inch away, he was able to knock volunteer Bob Barker flying across the stage. Bob Barker from The Price is Right? Yes. Holy shit. I don't think so. Could have been. He was around back then. One inch away. Holy shit. Bob Barker. Come on down. Is he the same guy? I don't know. It's, It's the only Bob Barker I've ever heard of. Price is wrong, bitch. (laughs) <laughs> one of his classic lines It looks like it is one of the same Bob Barker <laughs> That's great <laughs> <laughs> Basically they're Ian Turpy They're John Baby Burgess mm. Baby John Burgess Oh sorry Baby John uh, Yeah there you go um, Can you explain the one inch punch again to me please Oh let me oh, I've got full detail here Okay I, great I, I actually I, couldn't understand it I don't get so, it So without retracting his arm And holding it only two and a half centimetres Or one inch from Barker's chest Lee delivered a punch <laughs> sending him backwards and flying into a chair. So he's just standing in front of him, but with his arm already out? Arm is already out. And then, so, but a couple of centimetres away, like I'm from Matt, and then punch him. Punch him into the chest. And it's even funny now, I know it's the price is right, because apparently he got up and said to Bruce, you shouldn't demonstrate that anymore. That really hurt. (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's amazing and almost unbelievable. So the physics of the punch is explained in an article written by the South China Post that I will uh, link to in the show notes and I'll quote now. The one-inch punch uses the mathematical principle that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Compared to the typical roundhouse punch, we're coming sort of in a round, which is thrown at an arc towards an opponent, Wing Chun's basic punch is propelled along a straight line. In delivering the punch, the wrist is never bent. It is held straight so that the bones in the back of the hand are aligned with those in the wrist and the forearm, allowing for the greatest impact supported by the arm, the torso, and the legs. And when you've already got a really, really strong punch, you're a strong man like him. Amazingly, you are able to move another grown man. Wow. That's crazy. Who knew that maths and violence could come together in such a beautiful display? I reckon Dave found that out in school, but... (laughs) Do you get heaps of wedgies, nerd? I didn't. I was amazingly. No! I've said this before. Amazingly, not bully. They had a lot of things. A lot of things they could have. Dave was cool. He was in a ska band. Thank you. Well, I wasn't a ska band. I was a little bit cool. I was punk. But... All right, mate. What's cool than ska? Give it a bop, That's cool. That right there is very cool. That is cool. That is cool. Was that scat? Scart. Scart. It's a little hybrid I've come up with. So just picture horns underneath. <laughs> a oh. meaty horn. Talking about your dick again? <laughs> we only got one. Your precious dick. <laughs> that was a review on, on Listen Now. We read a cold chisel review that mm-hmm. described one of the songs as having a meaty horn. <laughs> and we found that very amusing. <laughs> a meaty horn. That's so weird. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. They, they you, knew. you knew what you did. You cheeky bugger. So he's able to knock people out with a one-inch punch or knock people over. Can I also quickly point out that Bruce was only five foot seven and a half or 172 centimetres, which is only a couple of centimetres taller than I am. And me. He's not that, He's not very tall. He also only weighs at this time. Wait, how old? How tall are you, Dave? You're taller than 5'7". I'm 170. Yeah, I'm saying. What? How tall are you? Like 182, blink 182. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Are you really? That's I remember. Is he 12 centimeters taller than us? That I don't think. Yeah, no, that's why I, yeah. I don't reckon you're 170. I reckon you're taller than that. Well, I hope I'm 172 because then I'd be Bruce Lee's height. He's only a couple of uh, centimeters taller than I am, as I just mm-hmm. said, and he only weighed 58 kilos or 130 pounds at this time. What do you mean? Yeah. How? He bulked up a few kilos later on. When he, uh, when he died, he was only, and he was at peak fitness, 62 kilos. Wow. What was your comedy weight again? My comedy weight's 52, but I actually weigh about 57 or 58 now. I'm the same weight as Bruce Lee. Me. And he can knock people across the stage. Whoa. With a one-inch punch. Crazy. Crazy. Amazing. That's sick. Oh, sorry. I'm 20 metres tall. I forgot. <laughs> Got an owl in my Got belly button. Still only 59 kilos. <laughs> He's a little owl in my belly button. He's looking after my gold. It's also in my belly button. So I'll keep everything in there. <laughs> I really should buy a bag or something. It's really, pull my stuff is in. this what you were talking about the night you were kicked out of that hotel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you shouldn't let kick me out. I've got gold in there. I can share There's some with you. There's an owl in my belly button. Help me. Show him the bounce of lint. <laughs> Look at that little gold. I've got little bits of gold in my belly. All right. Mate. Okay, mate. Okay, All right. Buddy. On the way Time home. Off we go. Anyway, I mentioned our famous hairdresser, or more accurately, famous hairstylist, Jay Sebring, who was in the audience at the demonstration and was very impressed. 
We've mentioned Jay Sebring on the show before, but in tragic circumstances. He was later after this murdered by the Manson family, along with his ex-girlfriend Sharon Tate and three others. So he was in uh, Sharon Tate's house tonight that they were all murdered. Shit. This was sort of explored kind of in... Uh, a long what was it called? Once a Upon long... a Time in Hollywood. Yes, and Jay Sebring is in that film. Right. I haven't seen it. What an actor is, yeah. Uh, tragic, obviously, but in 1964, he witnessed Bruce Lee and was so impressed he suggested uh, him to one of his clients, TV producer William Dozier, who was sufficiently intrigued and invited Lee over for a screen test in LA. Huh. Dozier wanted an Asian actor to star in a TV show he was developing about the Charlie Chan mysteries. Uh, the screen test is on YouTube, and again, I'll link it in the notes, and it's awesome. Bruce Lee is 24 at the time and speaks of the recent birth of his first child, a son named Brandon Lee, who Bruce would also teach Kung Fu from a very young age and would go on to be an actor in his own right. Anyway, in the screen test, after speaking a bit, they ask Bruce to demonstrate some of the Kung Fu. And despite wearing a lovely black suit, a tie, and dress shoes, he instantly transforms and his moves are awesome. Wow. He demos them solo at first, and then to make it look a bit more accurate, they get one of the crew to stand in, and his accuracy is crazy. He pulls all these moves that are, like, so fast that land about half a centimetre away from the guy's face, and the whole time the guy is just standing there silently shitting himself. <laughs> Bruce even says, this guy looks a little scared. Oh, my God. <laughs> awesome. It would be, yeah, just ha- half a centimetre from your face. That is... You, it's honestly, be hard not to flinch. It is. Yeah. Oh, the guy is sort of standing there, but you can see him sort of flinching a little bit. And, and he's, he does these moves and he goes, uh, now hit him in the stomach, now hit him in the guts. It is, you know, he does all these different like different spots and it's like, holy crap, even one of those, you'd just be, you'd be all over. Yeah. Uh, sadly, the Charlie Chan TV show never went ahead as Dozier uh, was getting ready to launch his new TV show, Batman, starring oh. Adam West, but he promised to keep Bruce Lee in mind for future work. It was a bit tricky at the time for Bruce as he's moved his whole family to LA to be part of the show, but now oh. he found himself oh, without shit. work. Oh, shit. Do you know what the Charlie Chan mystery, is that a real story? Uh, yeah, I, I believe they're old uh, old stories, yeah. Oh, Maybe cool. there was a radio show and thing. Ah, oh, great. Uh, six novels. Oh, okay. Wow. Starting in the 1920s. So it was like... It was like it was going ahead. He's moved the family over and then that show fell through. Yeah, so they were pretty confident it was going to happen. Jeez. That sucks. Suddenly he's out of work in a new city. Luckily for Lee, he didn't have to wait too long because Batman was a huge hit and Dozier started work on a new TV show, The Green Hornet, based on the radio show of the 1930s. Bruce Lee was cast as Kato, the driver and sidekick to the masked superhero, The Green Hornet. Oh, cool. It was Lee's first major adult role, and the primetime TV show introduced him to an American audience. Hmm. He was finally getting paid well, and at the same time, he could show off his moves in the show's fight scenes. Oh, sick. For the fans of the show, he was very, a very popular character and received more fan mail than the series lead Van Williams. Ah. He got more fan mail. More fan mail, despite being the... The sidekick. Yeah. That's interesting. Second banana. That's awesome. Van Williams. Yeah, I haven't heard of Van Williams. We haven't even done a do-go-on about him, so... Cop it, Van. Van uh, Wilder played the Green Hornet uh, later, didn't he? Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. Van Wilder. Going from what Van Williams to Van Wilder. Yeah. What are the chances? There are no coincidences. I think not. No. I think that was very much on purpose. Lee was proud to play the character of Kato and avoided Chinese stereotypes with his betrayal. However, Lee also had to make concessions for the role. They found that he moved too fast for the TV cameras, 
and they had to get him to slow down his kung fu for Whoa. it to come across on film. That's cool. Can't just slow it down in post. No, you can't just slow it down. Usually you just tape a bunch of cats together, but <laughs> it just didn't work out. I just That's got crazy. a cold sweat. I think uh, Van Wilder played a different green superhero. Green Lantern. Maybe. Anyway, whatever it is, don't at me. <laughs> oh, did they do the Green Hornet? Was Seth that Rogen? Was Seth Rogen, yeah. Oh. So the coincidence is even bigger. Van <laughs> Wilder played a different green superhero? And that's you're telling crazy. me that's a coincidence? I don't believe it. I don't think so. No. I'm going to chase this all the way to the top. Yeah. The Obama. vice president. Oh. Uh, Dick Cheney. Yeah. Taking this all the way to Dick Cheney. I can't remember. Mike Pence. Who's the other one? Doesn't matter. There's two vice presidents? Who was Obama? Joe Biden. Huh? Look at that. Doing well. I just need the last three. Vice Should... president of America. What? Where did the three? Oh, yeah, you did say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Dick Cheney. Sorry to this man. Uh, sadly, the show struggled to find an audience and a crossover with the more popular Batman. They did three crossover episodes. That couldn't save it. And the Green Hornet was cancelled after just one season. Oh. Lee and his family's financial future was again in limbo. He'd made lots of friends in the industry and gotten valuable experience, but for a, a time found that he was only able to pick up small guest parts. Unable to get work in front of the camera, he paid the bills by acting as a fight coordinator on other films. Oh, yeah. Unsure what to do going forward, Bruce's friend and a Green Hornet producer suggested that he make ends meet by teaching kung fu to Hollywood elites in their own homes. Sort of a mobile personal trainer, but for kung fu. Love that. Are we talking like Illuminati? Hollywood elites? Yeah, is it Illuminati? No, even more elite. No, less Whoa. elite than okay. the Illuminati. Not quite lizards. No. Like small lizards, geckos? Small geckos. Yeah. The ones with the heaps of dicks. Yeah. So many dicks. Bruce Lee was just kept kicking them. He's like, they just keep growing back. That would be frustrating. <laughs> they were like, I oh, hide no. you. Bruce Lee kicked my dick off. <laughs> hide I... you come to my home. You come here, you kick my dick off 48 <laughs> times. <laughs> you kick my dick off under my roof. <laughs> I imagine it would be quite satisfying to kick a dick off. Oh, yeah. Clean off. And then it just grows back and you're like, oh, all that work for nothing. I just kicked a dick off. You know, you got to go again. Yeah. Well, and it's no coincidence that someone who didn't play the Green Hornet would go on to play Deadpool, where things grow back. Oh my God! All the way to the top, baby. Van Wilder, he did both. There are no coincidences. Get yourself a guy who can do both. <laughs> Van Wilder. Van Wilder and the whichever Green he was. Lantern. Lantern, and also the other one. Deadpool. Yeah. He does it all except the Green Hornet. Yeah. Uh, but Bruce uh, took up the offer and he tried it and soon he had an amazing list of students, many of whom were or would become his close friends, including Steve McQueen, <laughs> James Coburn, James Garner, and NBA legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, who maybe has the best name of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Abdul Jabbar. Yeah. That's cool. So he's just like teaching Kung Fu now. Yeah. And well, for I mean, he's done that for ages, but I mean like to celebs. To celebs. And they're obviously paying a bit better than these students who are paying, what, 15 bucks a lesson or yeah. whatever. Uh, for a time, everything was going well these again. Ones are, the, the celebrities are paying 18. Whoa. Yeah, they play, pay a premium. Mm. So everything's going well again, especially after the arrival of his daughter, Shannon, in 1969. He was a, uh, reportedly amazing. enamored. Summer of love. He, yeah. He was reportedly enamored with her. Bloody good on him. That's nice. Seen in a documentary? He liked he his kid. numbered by his daughter. Oh, God. What a bloody softie. <laughs> oh, loves your kid. Uh, Linda, the mum, uh, described him as her having uh, wrapped around his, mm -hmm. her little baby finger. 
Bloody daddy's girl, is it? Oh, bloody dad's Meanwhile, Brandon's in the corner, bloody karate chopping blocks of wood. He's like, you're old news, mate. Yeah, I'm over it, Brandon. <laughs> Come on. Karate chop something I could, I can't. Come and look at how cute your sister is. Look at this. Unbelievable how cute she is. Look She's it. karate chopped my heart. <laughs> Into a million tiny little pieces. <laughs> Brandon, you karate chopping? I do jit can do. I don't do karate. That's embarrassing. Yeah, you're you're bringing shame to this family. Dad, I, I just wanted to try something different. Oh, okay. How about I try not loving you anymore? <laughs> yeah. How about oh, that? Oh, succeeding. Oh, look at me go. I love <laughs> your sister more. All right. How about trying something different and impressing me? Nah, but I am. I'm happy for Bruce that he likes his daughter. That's very nice. Basically, that does I just sound wanna... like the biggest tragedy that will happen to Brandon in his life. Yeah. His sister's Thankfully. birth. <laughs> um, I just my brother would say I just the wanted same to mention that he had a daughter, and it was just yeah, it was no, a nice, lovely. it was a nice moment watching the the mother describe their. Relationship. I, I hadn't heard of her, but obviously Brandon being a, going on to fame, so that is interesting that he had a daughter as well. Yeah, Shannon, she's still kicking. We'll find out. Oh, oh. yes, um, <laughs> I, we find out. In a second, I meant. I just cut out the time of me saying in a second. I just said it. Um, so 1969, a good year. Mm. 1970, not so much. Oh, no. Bruce had a vigorous training routine and he always pushed his body. One morning in 1970, without warming up, take note, <laughs> always warm up. Uh. Bruce did what he usually did and that was pick up a 125-pound barbell and did a, quote, good morning exercise. <laughs> But this time he severely injured his back, damaging a nerve. Oh. The good morning exercise, obviously, having a little bit of a wank. <laughs> With a, into a barbell. Put no. your back into it. Oh. That is a good morning. Oh, my back. Just let me finish. <laughs> um, doctors told him in no uncertain terms that he would never be able to do Kung Fu again. Oh, shit. He really, really messed At it up. At the age of 30. Yeah. Fuck. Bruce Lee isn't the kind of guy you say... You can't do something. Yeah. Could he still cha-cha? What about the <laughs> cha-cha? He was a cha-cha champion. He was forced to stay in bed for six months to recover. Oh, no. That's and whilst doing so, he... <laughs> the dream. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait to get... Well, I've heard that your technique's pretty shit-ass, Matt, so I reckon you might do your nerve. Apart, well, obviously, the back pain. Chronic bad back pain sounds like one of the worst things ever. I have but had bad th- sounds great. I have had the thought a few times of like... What if I just got just sick enough to stay in bed for a long time? You know, just a little injury, but an excuse to get out of everything. And that is depression. Ah, <laughs> yeah. If you have is... that kind of thought, uh, maybe have a chat, I reckon. That is the episode okay. of The Simpsons where Homer wears a moo. Yes. The test is if you rub your food on paper and you can't see through it, it's not fatty it's enough. It's not, not fatty enough. Do better. So... He's in bed for six months. Oh, no. Whilst doing so, he worked on the philosophical side of Jeet Kune Do, writing ferociously. Oh, yeah. He's a thinker as well as a He's doer. a one-inch writer as well. Mm. <laughs> he wrote one inch away from the page. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Don't know how the ink was just dripping. <laughs> Into perfect calligraphy. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's magic to watch, really. Yeah. Uh, one day he took one of his business cards. Yes, he's got business cards. And he wrote the words, walk on, on the back and placed it where he could see it as a constant reminder that he should always keep moving forward. This became one of his mantras, walk on. Hmm. Several months went by and he was slowly able to walk. This progress continued and by the end of the year he had recovered and was back to training using an exhausting daily fitness routine. Crazy. He did 2,000 punches a day. 
1,000 kicks a day. He ran three miles and then biked 15 miles. Not bad for a man who was told he would never be able to train again. They're the kind, I love those kind of stats like, oh, I do 1,000 punches a day. Yes. He's got a picture of Napoleon so- Dynamite or something like that. What? That's pretty strict. <laughs> Ration. <laughs> 998. 999. Yeah, fighting machine. Do a thousand air punches a day. 500 air kicks. I uh, do like a billion uh, <laughs> sit ups. So um... Yeah, I can use a bow staff. That's <laughs> <laughs> so great. But he's back. But he's back, baby. And he once... feels like, he sounds like he would be a nightmare uh, to be married to. Yeah. You know? Like, got to get up and go. An incredible person, but very intense. Like, you could never just be like, let's just get pizzas and watch a movie. Sunday night you know? movie. I love a Sunday night movie. I'll be right with you. Just punching the air out the back. <laughs> <laughs> I just found some air that hasn't been punched. Do you want me to chop up the pizza with my hands? <laughs> oh, you've made a mess again. Come on. Bruce. I bought a little pizza cutter. Can you just use it, please? Sounds like a nightmare. He's trying to karate chop the grime off the shower. Just clean it. <laughs> and he doesn't even do karate. Again. Bruce. Stop. Uh, once he was better in 1971, Bruce decided to travel back to his family's homeland of Hong Kong and try his hand at acting over there. He hoped to get noticed and, and then work his way back to Hollywood that way. Once back home, Bruce was surprised to find himself being constantly recognised and even mobbed in the streets. What he hadn't realised was the Green Hornet had been a huge hit in Hong Kong. That is such a wild idea that you could be famous without knowing it in a different country. (laughs) So funny. Mm. So famous to the point that it was marketed as the Kato show. Because they were stoked to see, you know, an Asian actor on screen. So they were like, yes, the Kato show. Uh, Named after the character that he played, of course. So he was already a huge star there and... uh, the uh, top Asian producer, Raymond Chow, offered Lee the chance to star in his own film, which he accepted, even knocking back a part on a US network TV show to do it. He's like, I could do a supporting role on TV there. Yeah. No, nah, I'm going to be my own star here first. So Lee's first starring role in Hong Kong was in a film called The Big Boss. Love it. Marketed in the US as Fists of Fury. Ah. As well as starring, Lee co-wrote the film and uh, with the director Lo Wai. The film featured Lee as the factory worker hero who was sworn off fighting, yet enters combat to confront a murderous drug smuggling operation with mm. sexy results. Oh! <laughs> Sounds like Homer Simpson wrote yeah. this. <laughs> According to uh, Bruce's website, brucelee.com, uh, still his official website, quote, the, still, it's now, the working conditions were difficult and the production quality substandard. But Bruce was able to show off his charisma and fighting choreography. At the premiere, Linda and Bruce went along and they were worried that the crowd hated it when at the conclusion of the film, the usually very vocal Hong Kong audience, uh, Linda also said about this, that they were known, if they didn't like something, to slash the chairs in the cinema. What? What? And yell out throughout the whole film. So it got to the end and they were silent and Bruce was like, oh, no, they hate it. They hate it. Well, at least you're not hearing any slashing. (laughs) No slashing. The so why the fuck would you take it out of the chair? What did the chairs do? Oh, okay. How often, They're passionate. Are, they to, They're how passionate. often are they having to replace chairs? Too often. But the silence was Imagine soon... Imagine being an upholsterer in... I'm so sorry, Dave. Keep going. The silence was soon broken by huge applause. <sighs> they bloody loved it. They were, just un, they were just not used to this style of film. Right. They were gobsmacked. They were absolutely gobsmacked. Which would have... 
That's one of uh, his his key moves was smacking the gobs. <laughs> the smacker. He's got the dick punch, the gobsmack. Yep. He does it all. The shower karate chop. So the film was a huge hit, breaking box office records in Hong Kong. It was the highest grossing film ever in Hong Kong. Wow. He became a huge, huge star in Asia and was on his way back to Hollywood. Remember, that's his plan. Uh, his next film... Fist of Fury, the last one in America was Fist of Fury, very confusing, came out the next year and Lee worked even harder. In this film, Lee introduced the Nunchaku, a.k.a. the Nunchucks. Michelangelo's favoured weapon. Yes, and but before this it had never been seen on film before. Oh, wow. So he did what? introduce it. Wow. Never been seen in a martial arts film. Uh, the choreography was even more intense and upon release, Fist of Fury again broke box office records. So it broke the record in Hong Kong that his film had just set just before that. Wow. Around this time, Bruce Lee also pitched to Warner Brothers the idea for a TV show called The Warrior, a Western-type show but with a man who knows kung fu. Warner Brothers were interested in the idea but despite his growing popularity, they didn't want Lee to star because of his ethnicity and his voice. Bruce's wife, Linda, later stated that uh, they used the idea for a TV show called Kung Fu without giving Lee any credit. They used another, uh. act- they used another actor uh, without any credit. Although Warner Brothers claimed that they, they were already developing Kung oh, Fu. Oh, yeah, that's... Yep. They call that a dog act. Mm-hmm. That is a dog act. Official? Yes. That's dog. That's a dog. Uh, Bruce... <laughs> when they say they had an issue with his voice, why... why? Oh, because he had a, a an Asian accent. They wanted right. an American accent. I was imagining more like he had a squeaky voice. Oh, yeah. Like, he, oh, I don't he like He had it. a start-up cha-cha champion. What they didn't realise is that was just a misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, Bruce spoke about this in an interview, being rejected, uh, which I'll also link to, which, uh, to be honest, is a bit infuriating to watch because it's the only known interview with Bruce Lee. And uh, it goes for about 20 minutes. He speaks so eloquently and very philosophically. Uh, philosophically, unlike that, uh, throughout <laughs> the interview with Pierre Burton, who just keeps interrupting him. The YouTube comments are amazing. They're like, would that idiot just shut the fuck up and let Bruce Lee speak? Oh, they're like YouTube comments for our show. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you're listening to this on uh, and, uh, on uh, YouTube, let me get in early and say, fuck you. <laughs> anyway, Bruce Lee spoke about the producers not being confident on uh, this Hong Kong man starring in his own network TV show in the US. Quote, they think that business-wise it's a risk. I don't blame them. If the situation were reversed and an American star were to come to Hong Kong and I was the man with the money, I would have my own concerns as to whether the acceptance would be there. Mm. End quote. So he's kind of taking the racism quite well. Crazily, in April 2019, decades later, a TV show called Warrior, based on Lee's idea, debuted on Cinemax in the US and one of the executive producers is Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee. Ah. So the the idea made it. Sick. Just a long, long time later. That's nice. That's awesome. Good job, Shannon. Good on you, Shannon. Keeping the the idea alive. Despite the racism he faced, Lee did not uh, did have many film offers after the success of his first two films in Hong Kong, but decided to stay loyal to producer Raymond Chow and signed another deal with Chow. But this time, the two would be equal partners. Mm-hmm. The next film, which is possibly Lee's most acclaimed film, was 1972's *The Way of the Dragon*. Lee had complete control of the film, and I mean complete. He was the writer, director, star, choreographer of the fight scenes, and he even played percussion on the soundtrack. And catering. And the choreographer of the cha-cha scenes as well, obviously. He was a cha-cha champion. Being a cha-cha champion. So he's a drummer too. When it came to this film, yeah. Holy shit. Is there anything he can't do? Doesn't sound like it. Mm -hmm. Take no for an answer. Yeah. 
Fuck yeah, Dave. That's so good. Yeah, that's like my only strength. Uh, weakness. Yeah. I, I have too, too many hard. strengths. <laughs> I care too much. I work too hard. Yeah. I'm almost, I'm too empathetic. Mm-hmm. I'm too horny. <laughs> I mean, I work too hard. Oh, horny God. for knowledge. Oh, no. <laughs> horny for the right, the right answer. What job is this you're going for? <laughs> primary school teacher. Horn, sir. <laughs> Slash primary school teacher. <laughs> I mean the uh, playing job... a primary school teacher in a porno. Mm, the job ad was very confusing. Uh, here's my um, my degree uh, as a teacher. Uh, you realise we don't need an actual teacher. <laughs> this is a porn film. Oh, in that case, here's my other D. <laughs> <laughs> degree in sexology. No, nah, he just flopped it. All right, we we got it. Flop the chop, Dave. Uh, you don't have to act it out for real. <laughs> Stop it! Put it away. Mate, you only live once, but you get forty-seven of these. <laughs> Uh, it was his directorial debut, and despite this, he was a perfectionist, often filming scenes over and over and over again. Again and again. The, <laughs> even the Jiminy Jillica scenes. <laughs> again and again. And again and again and again. <laughs> I said Jiminy uh, Jillica so many times. <laughs> the worst of last all many. Uh, the film, uh, Where the Dragon, has an epic 10-minute fight scene in the Coliseum. That's oh, a yes. long fight scene. Between Lee and his and his friend and former training partner, a certain <gasps> Chuck Norris. Oh, Chuck, in that's his right. Debut on screen role. I say ten scenes. The first two minutes is them warming up and just cracking every bone in their entire body whilst looking at each other and a cat is watching on. I haven't seen this film. I've heard it's a classic. It's uh, it's it's action. It's also a co- it's also that's comedy, comedy there. Comedic. That's yeah, got to be funny. That's it's funny, funny, but also dra- drama. It's a dramedy martial arts movie. Love Holy it. Shit. It's got everything. I love a slash. Is there any romance? Well, I don't know. Uh, this romance between um, Chuck Norris and the hairy hairy chest that he has on display. Okay. Also, he's very very hairy shoulders. Okay. Right. Lee even ripped some of it off at some, at one point. That's funny. Ow. He goes, ooh, off the chest. What's this? Again, the film was a huge success, and this is the third film in a row now to break Hong Kong box office records. He's a huge star in Hong Kong. Huge. That's amazing. In the fall of 1972, Bruce began filming the, the next movie, The Game of Death. So he just goes, film, film, film. So he's working, some would say, a little too hard. Mm. A film that he again wrote and directed and starred in. The film co-starred Lee's friend and former student, NBA legend and record holder for most points ever scored in the league, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was nearly half a metre taller than him. (laughs) (laughs) The fight scene is awesome. That is actually, in that film, Bruce is wearing a yellow tracksuit with uh, black lines, much like Uma Thurman Uh, in Kill Bill. Now, Quentin Tarantino is a massive film fan, always shouting out to different movies. That's where that that comes from. from. Oh, that's cool. And he's fighting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and it looks amazing because it's quite a, a relatively short man Fighting a very, very tall man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Bruce learned a lot about living from bamboo. Obviously, Kareem, he learned more of his stuff from the ghost gums, those tall, beautiful tall, trees yeah. of, of the Australian bush. Mm. Whispering uh, in the night. Mm. I'm a ghost gum. I'm a ghost gum. <laughs> Let's shoot some hoops. <laughs> <laughs> they love to shoot hoops. Uh, they started filming uh, The Game of Death and filmed about 100 minutes of footage before filming was interrupted when Hollywood finally came a-knocking. <gasps> Bruce Lee was offered his first starring role in an American film called Enter the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Lee co-produced the film with Raymond Chow but didn't write or direct this one. 
and it would be his final film. Bruce Lee had finally achieved his goal of being a Hollywood film star. He started working and training seven days a week and pushed himself harder than ever to achieve the dream that he'd been striving for his whole life. So no Sunday night movie night? No. Oh, absolutely not. Sunday night, eat a bowl of fish, rice and broccoli and then go and punch a punching bag 2,000 times. Also, a lot of milk, apparently. I was reading about his diet. A lot of milk. Yeah. Hey, when Hollywood uh, came knocking, did they use a one-inch knock? (laughs) (laughs) That was bad. Thank you. The door door went flying across the stage. (laughs) On May 10th, 1973, whilst editing Enter the Dragon in Hong Kong, Bruce suddenly became dizzy and collapsed. He was rushed to hospital where he suffered from seizures and doctors were worried that he might die. Despite an array of tests, they couldn't work out what was wrong with him. He was eventually diagnosed with cerebral edema, a condition in which excess fluid in the brain causes swelling and pain. Not a good thing. No. Shit. He was treated and recovered and was able to return to finish Enter the Dragon. And whilst awaiting the film's release in August, he immediately returned to finish Game of Death with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he'd had this thing, they treated it, but they weren't exactly sure what had caused it. Yeah. Or if it would come back. Yeah. Bit of a worry. Sadly, Bruce would never see the premiere of either film, especially Enter the Dragon, which is seen by many to be his best film and one of the greatest martial arts films of all time. Wow. So those that run that he got on um, sounds like I've heard of all of them. I haven't seen any of them, but they're all iconic mm. titles. Yeah, yeah, great titles. like titles. five in a row there. Very influential. Well, apparently one of his big influences was he wanted the fight scenes, despite being highly choreographed and between like people that aren't average, he wanted them to look believable. Right. Apparently this time, at this time, a lot of martial arts films, there'd be like flying horses and, you know, <laughs> someone would punch a cow or something and would go flying and like, you know. <laughs> that sounds... It does sound fun. Not awesome. Don't punch cows. But kind of funny. <laughs> but pretty fun, actually. <laughs> yeah. It sounds fun and like, you know, people would like, Leap, leap from the ground up onto a roof that's like three metres t- tall and sort of un- stuff that's amazing to watch but not that believable. But he wanted his choreography to look like what could, that he could do it because he could. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was what he was and that's what he brought to the table and what his, his influence was and still is. But on July 20th, 1973, Bruce again came down with an, another minor headache. He'd had an active morning meeting with producer Raymond Chow and was excited to continue on with the movie. Apparently he was acting out scenes with him, very excited, a lot of energy. Oh, man. That afternoon, he went round to his co-star, Betty Ting Pei's house, to work on the film. It was also later revealed that the two were lovers. So he went round to work on the film, hang out, whatever. Secret affair? Secret affair. It was at her house that Lee came down with a headache and Pei gave him a painkiller called Equagesic, a prescription medicine that he hadn't got, had a script for, but she said, take this. Uh, Equagesic contains aspirin and also the tranquilizer meprobamate. Lee then went for a lie down about 7.30 and when he didn't come down for dinner, Betty went to check on Bruce and she found him unresponsive. She called producer Raymond Chow who came around and also couldn't wake up Bruce Lee who looked very, very pale. So he was rushed to hospital in an ambulance where he was declared dead on arrival. Oh, shit. He was just 32 years old. Shit. The world went into shock. A man who epitomised fitness, good living and eating, and he just died at the peak of his health, age 32, and it wasn't a car accident or a drug overdose or anything super So it wasn't, wasn't the drugs? Well, there was and has been wild speculation over the years about what really killed Bruce Lee that day. 
Some have, have suggested he was taken out by Asian gang members and it was a hit. It was a murder. Huh. Had he been killed by a curse imposed by other martial artists for sharing the secrets with white people? Oh, a curse. People are saying it could be a curse. These are the mm. prominent That makes sense theory. to me. That makes the most sense so far. Yep. There was, of course, an autopsy which found that he died from cerebral edema. Again, swelling of the brain, this time caused or exacerbated by an allergic reaction to the medication that was given to him. Oh, shit. Any any trace of curse? Yeah. Did they find a a trace of curse in the autopsy? No. Well, Mm. let me read from BruceLee.com. A nine-day coroner's inquest was held with testimony given by renowned pathologists flown in from around the world. The determination was that Bruce had a hypersensitive reaction to an ingredient in the pain medication that had caused swelling of the fluid on the brain, resulting in a coma and then death. That's the official word. Hmm. Jeez. His his partner must... That would be hard. Yeah. Apparently she was called and told to go to the hospital when she, she got there. She was a bit like, what's the... Is it, you know, bad news? And they're like, yep. He's gone. He's gone. That's all. Surpri- you know, all you know that day he'd been yeah. rushing around, healthy. I- the, yeah, I feel yeah. Something about not taking prescription drugs, not prescribing. Yeah, don't yeah. Like that. But I'm. I reckon I would have done that before. I'm sure someone goes, "Oh, I've got this. Is, this is proper headache stuff." Mm. I probably would have gone, "Cheers." Yeah. So I'll try and remember this next time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Lee was buried in Seattle, Washington, where he first met his wife, mm-hmm. sort of started their life together. The pallbearers at his funeral included um, friends and uh, celebrity Steve McQueen, James Coburn, and his brother Robert Lee. 20,000 mourners crowded the streets of Hong Kong to pay their respects to his open coffin as well. Wow. That's... It wasn't open until he one-inch punched the <laughs> lid off. his way out. Uh, Enter the Dragon premiered just a month after his death and was a huge hit around the world. It went on to gross $90 million worldwide, which is equivalent these days to $518 million adjusted for inflation. Smash hit. Not bad when its budget was less than $1 million. Wow. Grossed more than 90 times that. That's insane. Sadly, people tried to cash in after Lee's death by continuing his film Game Game of Death, the one he's making with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They ended up with only something like 12 minutes of usable footage of the 100 minutes they'd shot. So they had to uh, shoot the rest with stand-ins or even cardboard cutouts. Oh, my God. Which many felt were unconvincing and not upholding of Lee's legacy. Remember, he loves accuracy. And in one scene, it's just like a still face of a cardboard cutout of Lee. And they didn't think that was very convincing, a cardboard cutout. Hmm. Mm. It, It also incorporated footage of Lee. I haven't seen this, but footage of Lee's actual funeral which many felt was a bit in poor taste. Yeah, I would agree. It was critically panned when it was released five years after his death. That's how long it took to make the rest of the movie. Despite this, it was still a huge financial success. And in 1981, a sequel followed, this time with clips of Lee's other films just spliced in. That's so weird and dumb. Why did they do that? I don't remember. I, I thought he died differently. How did you think he died? But now, his son is well, the let, let oh. me yeah, tell okay, you. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I wish I could tell you that the tragedy for Lee's widow, Linda, ended with her husband unexpectedly dying at the age of 32 and leaving two basically toddlers around. I wish I could tell you the tragedy in there for her. Brandon Lee, Bruce's only son, followed in his father's footsteps and was a martial artist tra- uh, training since he could walk. Mm. 
After small roles in some moderately successful films, Brandon looked like he was on the cusp of making it when at age 28 he was cast as the lead role in the superhero film The Crow. Mm -hmm. With only eight days left in filming and most of the film in the can, uh, one of the final scenes caused for Brandon's character to get shot with a magnum gun. Of course, they were meant to use dummy bullets. But rather than using a dummy gun, the prop department created their own blanks by, by pulling the bullets from live rounds, dumping the, the powder charge, and then reinserting the blank bullets. So basically, it was supposed to just make the noise without shooting any metal out of it. So it's a real gun, but it's got fake bullets essentially in it. Mm-hmm. Sadly, they failed to notice that a bullet had been previously caught in the barrel of the gun. Oh, my God. And it was still just sitting there inside the gun. And when the blank was fired... It forced this bit of bullet out of the gun at nearly the same pace as a regular bullet. The bullet pierced through Brandon Lee's abdomen and ended up near his spine and he died of his injuries. Fuck. See, that's what I was thinking of. Crazy. Absolutely. Son. Fuck. 28. Crazy accident. So he was buried next to his father in Seattle. Wow. So his mum had to put him in the ground next to his dad. Awful. Awful. Father and son both tragically dying young when they were just about to make it in Hollywood. Mm. It seemed pretty unusual, and people have since talked about whether both men were cursed. Now, usually I love a good curse. Love a good curse. Yeah. Curse of the mummy, curse of the Otzi. Love it. But I've seen uh, Bruce's widow and Brandon's mother, Linda, comment on this, dismissing it and basically saying that it's a little bit offensive to their memory. Yeah, of course. But you would say it was a curse. There were two pretty bad accidents. The first one that Bruce was given something that he shouldn't have, and the second one that someone should have checked the fucking gun. Yeah. Just use a fake gun. I know that. Often they would, but not in this circumstance. Why? So dumb. Poor lady, absolutely tragic for Linda. She's still alive at the time of recording, now in her 70s. She remarried twice, all the whilst uh, continuing uh, to promote Bruce Lee's martial art Jeet Kune Do throughout the rest of it, throughout her life. Bruce's daughter, Shannon, is still alive, uh, aged now 50. Cool. And And uh, and producing. And she's also, there's a podcast that she hosts. I think they ask, you know, it's about Bruce Lee and his legacy, so that's pretty cool. That's nice. Awesome. Bruce Lee was named by Time magazine as one of the most 100 influential people of the 20th century and continues to be a cultural icon with statues of him around the world. He only appeared in leading roles in three films in his lifetime, but in his short 32 years on earth, he redefined martial arts and action films forever. I will finish with an inspirational quote from The Great Man, of which there are many. <laughs> Many. He says, uh, do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Yeah, which is inspiring. But also, I think I would just prefer an easy life. <laughs> yeah, I want to take, take, it, I take wanna the take easy, easy way easy out. That's all right, yeah. But Bruce never took the easy way out. Oh, what a legend. Oh, I didn't know much of that at all. I didn't know. Yeah, basically none of that. What an amazing life. I love hearing stories of people who just fight. They, and just it feels like there'd be a bunch of times where you'd be like, "The world's against me, fuck everything." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just every time he took it as a way to like work harder and stuff. Yeah, pretty inspiring. Pretty amazing work ethic. Yeah, crazily inspiring work ethic, and also it's just also tragic to think that you know he only felt like he was only just making or about to make it, and he would never would know (laughs) the cultural impact that he had. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking of of his son's death as his death. So then I was like, well, no, he's not going to. He'll live through this brain thing. And right. then. Are you waiting for him to be shot? Sadly. Yeah. 
That was, was his, his son. son. But Dave, fantastic report. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And yeah, there are links in the uh, episode description if you want to check out some of the uh, the. And I'll probably post them on social media over the week too. The uh, the it's worth checking out the screen test and also the only interview because yeah he he spoke very well. I will say the guy who I I've already forgotten his name that played him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood nailed the voice. Oh, okay. oh really? Yeah. Cool. Watching it I, even because I'd never heard Bruce Lee speak before. Yeah, and it, the, in the interview, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's the same voice as the guy right. fighting against Brad Pitt." Well, that's clever. I mean, that's his job, isn't it? Yes, he was a good actor. I will say that the script probably made him look like more of a dick than I think he was. Right, right. Yeah, well, that was that whole movie was sort of reimagining history. Really painted Charles Manson in a bad way too. <laughs> so yeah, he came across as a bit of a dick. Yeah, a bit creepy. Yeah, you know, and it's like, ugh. Lighten up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently quite a few people in, in the film. I think the character that the Australian actor, what's her name? Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, yeah. Apparently Sharon her, Tate, Sharon Tate was, came, came across very differently in that than some remember her. So, But I imagine I just, that's sort of what it is, right? I haven't seen the film, but somebody, their only comment was that like they – they ba- barely gave Margot Robbie any lines. It was for quite a while in the. I was like halfway through the film. You see her a bit, and she doesn't say anything. Mm. But she's quite a good actor. She's very good. She's yeah. great. I, you, could, you could let her speak, I reckon. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you want to. <laughs> I mean, that's a. It's if an she wants choice. to. If, if she, she wants, wants to. to. Don't put words into her mouth. Yeah. Okay. If she wants to speak, let her speak. But anyway, whether it's in the script or not. <laughs> But that does bring us, Matt, to oh, our... To everyone's favourite section of the show. Everyone's favourite part. Fact, quote, or question. question. This is the section of the show where people uh, who support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash pod on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Rest in Peace level can give us a fact, a quote, or a question. There's many different rewards you can get from supporters, and this is but one of them. Mm. Uh, and this week we have... Another two fantastic fact quotes or questions. Firstly, we have Tim Lafuente. Who, Tim. Tim. <laughs> yeah, we got Tim, and he's given himself the title as you're allowed to do in this uh, in this level of the Patreon. He's given himself the title of El Jefe de Chefe. Possibly not here. El Jefe. Oh, El Jefe de Chefe. Mm. What does that mean, Dave? Jeffy the Chefy. <laughs> ah, that's what, I, that's what I would have guessed. That would have been my second guess. And he's going to be boss. He's given us a fact. And his fact is Austin has bats, lots of bats. The population under the Congress Avenue Bridge grew to be the largest urban bat colony in North America. I thought baseball bats until. <laughs> okay. I, I you thought, why are they putting all these bats under a bridge? <laughs> How are the cars getting it through? It was all the way through. Or the water, the whatever kind of bridge oh, it is. Bats in a colon. Oh, I see. It goes on to say, with up to 1.5 million bats spiraling into the summer skies, Austin now has one of the most unusual and fascinating attractions. To top off how dumb it was that I thought these were baseball bats. <laughs> I've been to Austin and seen these bats. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. And were uh, they made of wood? Yes. Well, Wooden bats. 
Yeah, I went. I was there for um for a few days, and that was yeah, that was one of the things that it, people said you got to go check out the bats. I'm like, all right, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But Austin was sick. I loved Austin so much. Love to go back there. Thank you so much, Tim. What a great fact. Uh, and I, which I'd entirely forgotten about. I didn't know the number 1.5 million. Yeah, that's a lot of bats. Spiraling bats. Uh, and secondly, I'd love to thank Jackson Bland. He's given himself the title Executor of the Will of Sydney Scheinberg. It's <laughs> a very big task. Yeah, it's a huge responsibility. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. And your quote is, it's a longish one. <laughs> I, I always remind people that I don't read them until I read them on the show. <laughs> and here it is. Since Sydney Scheinberg has passed, he promoted me from the junior vice intern of Sydney Scheinberg to the executor of the will of Sydney Scheinberg. Now I must present the video will of Sydney Scheinberg. <laughs> Please have Dave read this next part of Sydney. Okay. That was in brackets. Edit that bit out. But it's an, it's an important note. Okay. Where am I reading here? <laughs> Okay, hey, how we doing? Okay, yeah, just in case I uh, need to record a wheel, uh, one, two, one, two, this thing on. Okay, yeah, you getting that? Okay. All right, now let me press play on the video. Okay. okay. <clears throat> uh, if you were seeing this, that uh, this means that I, Sydney J. Scheinberg, have kicked the bucket. Yeah, I'm dead. Okay, okay. Establish that fact. As my state, I uh, leave to my dear wife, uh, Lorraine. Uh, yes, my uh, collection of Keith. Keith Lorraine's, uh, and also uh, all of my land, uh, who cares about that, and my vast collection of $2 bills. I, uh, I've got 15 of those. Uh, to my uh, children, John and Bill, I uh, leave my vast collection of seashells. Also got uh, 15 of those. Uh, seven for John, eight for Bill. Okay. Uh, to Matt Stewart. Oh, the, what the hell is this guy? Is he reading stuff in my will? Okay. Okay. Don't go off script, Sydney. Okay. Hand to hand down. Got to produce a movie today. To Matt Stewart, I leave the bones of Einstein. The dog from Back to the Future that I incorrectly changed from a chimpanzee. I incorrectly? Who wrote this shit? Okay. I'm uh, not getting you, a word of this. You may never forget that even though he is uh, immortal, death comes for everyone. Okay, including me. I guess it's kick, kick the bucket. Okay. And uh, one, one more thing uh, to just Poikins. I uh, I bequeathed 50 copies of uh, Hello Baby, the best of the Big Papa on compact disc. <laughs> yeah, I got 50 copies just in case one wears out, and then I'll only have 49 copies left. Okay. And to Dave Warnick. Dave Warnick, uh, you listening to that? Okay. I leave the secret underground bunker I had built in Sydney, Australia, a.k.a. the Sydney Shine Bunker. <laughs> Yes, I am very clever with words. You get this in the Sydney Shine Bunker. Uh, uh, yeah, see you there. See you. See you in. See you after the apocalypse. Okay. And uh, as for the rest of my belongings, they shall be packed into a spaceship with me and sent to Pluto, so that I may be the very uh, first spaceman from Pluto. Yep. Of course, a great name for the film that uh, didn't get picked, but um, I still think that's a mistake. Okay. Uh, arrivederci. Much love, Sydney J. Scheinberg the first. I, I don't have a son yet, but there's still time. No, you're dead. <laughs> and there are so, I mean, sons. I'm, trying to, I'm talking to a fucking Oh, tape. we're doing what a video tape. We've lost it. Oh, Dave's back in the room. Dave, you've just inherited a bunker. Really? Why? Um, That's a good question. And what are you going to do with a bunker? I don't know. Hmm. What can you do with it? I mean, you can get in it. Fill it with baked beans, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Tin, I'd love the apocalypse. Be- baked beans. You get to eat baked beans all day long. And no one judges Powdered you. Powdered milk. Your oh, two favorite kinds of food. I love a uh, long life milk. Yeah, you God, love it. it's creamy. 
It's what? creamier. I've never. I've, I, I don't, don't think, think I've, I've ever had a long life milk. Eh, mm. uh, to you too. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've heard Sydney talk for that long in a row before. I didn't get any of it. But that was. I heard bunker, so that's good. He did well, Sydney. Speaking as himself for that long. Yeah, yeah. Oh, an incredible effort to think, speak that way forever. That's actually what finished him off in the end. Yeah. <laughs> His final words. Ah, oh, my voice. Uh, well, that brings us to everyone's uh, second favourite section of the show, mm. which is where we th- uh, thank a few of our other Patreon supporters. And Jess, you ne- normally give us a little game here. to. I was thinking we name their martial arts film. Oh, yes. I like this. Uh, fantastic. Are they all going to be dragon related? No. Fist fist the dragon. <laughs> They're not all going to be dragon related. Okay. you got to use your imagination. All right. Well, I will do that. Can I kick it off? Yes. Uh, well, I would love to thank uh, firstly and also foremostly from London, I would love to thank Kaylee Noakes. Kaylee Noakes. Uh, okay. Um, you think of a word, just one. I'll set you up. Okay. Enter the dragon. Okay, uh, take two. Matt, enter the... Nose. That's pretty good. Go again, go again, go again. Uh, enter the... Sandman. Okay, well, that, that could be... That's a movie title. Yeah, I love a movie that yeah, that already references a, a song. You've, you've done half the work of writing a film. Yeah, there. I mean, there's our theme song. Enter done. the Sandman. Yeah, well, it's, you know... Kaylee plays the Sandman. Ah. Oh. Sandman. <laughs> And she leaves little bits of sand everywhere she goes. You know when you go to the beach and you just got sand everywhere? Yeah. I feel like that all the time. It's the worst part of the beach. Yeah. The sand. What's the best part? Um, It's a beautiful view. I like the friendship. Oh, okay. Really? Oh, actually, no. Change my answer too. I love the salty air. Oh. I like the ice cream kiosk. Yes. Oh, yes. There need to be more ice cream kiosks, Mm. I think. Anyway, thank you to Kaylee. Kaylee Noakes. I'd also love to thank from Yate in England, Hannah Hemsley Brown. HHB. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. All right. All right. Dave, what do you got? Okay. Um, I'll set you up again. Okay. Way of the houseboat. Mm. Oh, that's pretty good. Way of the houseboat. Kind of goes with the flow. Yeah. yeah. Slow along. and steady, but, you know, reliable. Mm hmm. That's every houseboat I've ever been yeah. on. Very reliable. Roof over your head. Yeah, I love that. I think that's good. I haven't been on a houseboat in a very long time. Oh, you, I've never you been must on a houseboat. I was only as a kid. I went on one. Really? Yeah. Did you sleep on it, or were you just for the day? Ah, uh, did we sleep on it? I think so. Weird. Anyway, oh, I mean, they're just a boat, really, aren't they? Yeah. They're just like a little barge, yes. kind of thing. I don't fucking. They're just know. a house. HHB, thank you. Can I thank some people as well? I would love that more than life itself. Can I please thank from Cork in Ireland? Oh, yes. I would love to thank. Is that the Stub City one? Uh, Cork? I always get confused. No, Limerick, I think. Limerick is, yes. I would love to thank John Collins. Oh, John Collins. He's, that's a famous thing. Is that a drink, John Collins? Tom Collins. Okay. (laughs) Is that a drink's brother? Hey, yes. What was that tall glass of water? That's my brother, mm. Tom Collins. <laughs> and hello, my name's John. Um, okay, so what could John's film be called? Okay, the big 
drink of water. <laughs> that's pretty good. The big yeah. drink. The big drink. Oh, the big drink. Oh, that's good. That's even better. Thank you. Efficiency. That's key. Yes. The big drink. Good I like on, that a lot. Good on you, John. Thank you very much. And I'd also like to thank a little closer to home from West Footscray. I would love to thank Maria Korotiki. Korot. Hmm. <laughs> Anyone else want to have a go there? Let me let me bring up this fender there. West Footscray, beautiful neck of the woods. Okay. Drink us, uh, Maria Karot Kick. Yes, Karot Kick. Oh. Kick is perfectly apt for this. Oh, Rot kick. Okay. Sorry, Maria, but I reckon Dave probably did pretty well there. How about in the face of? Karot kick. In the face of boots. Oh, in the face of boots. In yeah. the face of boots. Yeah, because she kicks. In the face of Like boots. you do, Matt. Hmm. That's more boots in the face. Boots in the face of. Boots in the face of. <laughs> or just boots in the face. Boots yeah. in the face? Boot face. Face boot? <laughs> yeah. Boot face. Boot face. Boot face. Boot face, boot face, garly. <laughs> that, that okay, anything? we got there. Boot face, boot face. What is that? What, are, what is the thing I just said, Dave? What does it mean? Butchers, butchers, garly. Yep. And that's the, uh, a person? Place. Uh, no, it's a person. An Egyptian man who was in charge of the UN. Yes, that's what I meant. Very fun stuff. Very fun stuff. That's, good. <laughs> that's a good reference. <laughs> Thank you very much, Maria. Thanks, Maria. I would like to thank a couple of people, if I may, to bring us home now, all the way from Catonsville, Maryland. Oh. In the United States of America. I think that's actually Maryland. <laughs> I always mispronounce that. I apologize to Kevin Alban. Oh, Kevin. Kevin Alban. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, right. Kevin. Uh, here we go. Kevin Alban, let me. Uh, the game of. Swing. Bada bada. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is it a baseball movie? Yes. No. Baseball martial arts ba- movie. Baseball fighting. Oh, great. Yeah. Do they fight with bats? No. No, no. That's the one rule. They fight with balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a porn too. They, damn right they fight with they balls. They bash their ball sacks what kind of porn into each are we other. Talking here? I just said they bash their ball sacks oh, into each other. That sounds like hot. porn. Hot porn. <laughs> That's hot porn. What kind of porn? Hot porn. <laughs> Let me tell you, this ain't no lukewarm mm. porn. No. This is hot this porn. This is NS, not safe. FW. F-W. <laughs> not safe. Thank you so much, Kevin. Kevin Olban, thank you so much. And finally, to bring us home now, all the way from Auckland. <gasps> Beautiful place. I love New Zealand. NZ. I would like to thank Meredith Van Beekhusen. Oh, my oh, God. That's good. One Meredith the, Van... I, I mean, that's an all-time I'm, great name. Having a real... Real crack at this. Meredith Van Beekhusen. I can do pretty well. Okay. Can I set it up? Can I set oh, it up? Okay, yep. I haven't set one up. Okay. Or did you have I. an idea? But no, no, you go. You set it up. So Dave's really doing a lot of the setting up he today. Did. He really hogged the setups. Oh, I just, I just used real Bruce Lee films and let you guys fill in. Honestly, the hogged it. I was going to make <laughs> one up like an actual creative person. Oh, okay. A leap of duck. <laughs> boy. A leap, a leap of, of duck, duck boy. boy. Hmm. Oh. We have a neighbor. My parents have a neighbor who we christened Duck Boy. Yeah. Because one time there was a duck on our front nature strip because there's a park across the road. Yeah. And we said, oh, should we take the duck back to the park? And then this our neighbor ran over and like took over. So we just called him Duck Boy. Duck for Boy. A long time. No, Duck Boy's got it. Copper Duck Boy. I've also got ducks on my front nature strip at times. Yeah. <laughs> ducks are crazy, man. Have we, are we being overrun 
Like ducks? I think you're now the duck boy of your street. If you don't know who the duck boy in your street is... <laughs> Look to your left. Oh, <laughs> no. Look to your right. It's you. You're the duck boy. I am duck boy. You're I was wondering boy. what my web feet were all about. Yep, you're a duck boy. I wonder if Meredith Van, Van Beekhuizen knows her duck boy. Beek. She's got beak in her name. Perfect. We could not have done this any better. We did it. We did it, everybody. Let's get out of here while we're on top. I reckon <laughs> Bruce Lee would be proud. Her part will be played by James Vanderbeek. <laughs> he plays himself in um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, and he's very funny. That's a funny guy. Very funny. Very funny man. Anyway. Plays himself in Jane Silent Bob Struck Back. Is he maybe not a good actor? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> have only... you seen Dawson Leary? No, because I I feel like I was too young for that show. Well, give it a crack. It still exists. I don't think I want to. It's one of those things. Sometimes you say this, but you also talk about hearing the Beatles. You know what I mean? I have heard the Beatles. It is possible to have seen things and heard things from before. Yeah, that's true. All right. I'm sure you've seen him cry. And God, can he cry. God, can he cry. You're watching the OC at the moment. Oh, I stopped. It sucks. <laughs> it's oh, so no. bad. <laughs> It's horrendous. Ryan only looks at people from the side on. I think he's a bird. That's that's <laughs> what so brooding dumb. is. And then there's this part early on in in the show where he's having some dramas and nobody believes him and he talks to Sandy and then Sandy goes, talk to me. I'm here. It's like, he just fucking did, that's Sandy. That's how good Sandy is. Sandy is that's amazing, good mate. He's a good Sandy listener. He's great. Did you get to the Welcome to the OC bitch? Of course. This is the first episode. <laughs> Fantastic. So you got to the end of the first episode. Yeah, I did. I've done pretty well. First season is a masterpiece. No, Probably the best it's piece a, of television. It's absolute fucking trash. It's embarrassing how bad it is. I reckon you'd love Dawson's Creek. Oops. Yeah. I I saw an episode. It was uh, that was hard to watch. Dawson. Dawson's Creek. Yeah. yeah. But I I did try. I do remember OC fondly. I pr- pretty much watched the whole first season. I think I watched it in like three sittings. Right. So I watched it like eight episodes at a time. Yeah. I was at uni. <laughs> Okay. Uh, my younger sister was taping it, off, like on a VHS. Taping it off the TV. Yeah. Oh, I miss doing that. And then when you're watching it back, you'd have to fast, fast forward through the ads. <laughs> and when you're watching it over and over, it was just like, so people are sleeping and I'm up at like 4 a.m. And it just felt like it was the theme was playing up. Constantly. Are they ever going to get to fucking California? <laughs> Fuck. Do you know the Will and Grace theme? It's just, no. it's just like a really uh, Actually a bit young loud, that. intricate piano <laughs> bit. Oh, yeah. My neighbours were watching that incredibly loud at three a.m. the other day, and I was like, "Oh, they're watching Will and Grace and having an argument." <laughs> I love these new neighbours. <laughs> they first day they'd moved in. I was like, "That's you, great. You suck." It's a stressful time uh, moving. Have a. Fight. You know what? I think moving. I'm always like, ugh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do know what you mean. Eternal Will and Grace. (laughs) Yeah. Pressure just melts away. I did try and watch the OC again last year and it it does not hold up. It's not good. But at the time, or soon after the time, whenever I watched it, what a show. But anyway, let's get... It was fresh for like two years. We don't have to talk about the OC anymore. Okay. We don't have to talk about anything anymore. Sandy Cohen. Dave, wrap it up. What a man. We have to go. Thank you so much for he lending surfs. us your ears this he week. Lawyers. If you, uh, he eats bagels with a schmear. If you enjoyed the first ninety nine percent of this episode, you can um, <laughs> always leave us an, uh, a review on the podcast app of your choice. That makes other people see it. It comes up in their feed more likely. I think that's how it works. So if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, as it's now known, or iTunes, give us a review. That's bloody lovely. We don't often talk about that, but it is nice. 
And you can go to dogoonpod.com for links to all our stuff, including our live shows, our Patreon, our T-shirts and stuff, our merchandise. And, um... Hey, hands off the merchandise. <laughs> Something I've been enjoying saying lately is, uh, gonna drop a deuce. Okay. <laughs> I love American culture so much. But you're the one who hates poo humor. Well, yeah, I I don't think about what I don't say when I'm doing it. Stop saying it. Well, I normally say it when I'm rolling a dice in a board game or something. I'm like, I need to drop a deuce if I need two. Well, you can say that as... To get to Trivial Pursuit Pie Square. How often are you playing board games? I played Trivial Pursuit uh, twice this week. How'd you go? I bought this shit version of it. It's from the 2000s and they try to reinvent it. It's fucking the worst... Anyway, why don't you twice. say that instead of laters today? It's the fucking worst. No, drop, oh, drop a deuce. Yeah, say your new favorite catchphrase. <laughs> okay, if you'd like to. I can, I can rework that into a goodbye. I reckon you'll figure it out. All right, you got about ten seconds. If you want to follow us on all the social medias, it's at Do Go On Pod. But until next time, we'll say thank you for listening, and I will say goodbye. I'll say bye. Laters. You pussy. <laughs> oh, actually. Um... <laughs> This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.